the blast from our past network. Hey everyone, co-host Corey here. I just wanted to take a quick second and say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Without you, podcasting after dark would not be possible. If you would like to help the show grow, please consider signing up at patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. You can also support the show by purchasing one of our awesome t-shirt designs on our merch store at podcastingafterdark.com or by picking up a copy of Seven Winters Alone by David Irons on paperback, hardback, or Kindle. Just search for Seven Winters Alone on Amazon or click on the link in the show notes. A free way to help out is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those reviews are huge for us and really helps get the show in front of new listeners. Again, thank you all so much for the love and support you've given us over these past few years. It really means the world to us. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson, and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Death Spa, starring William Bumiller, Merritt Buttrick, and Sherry Shattuck. All right, Podcasting After Dark fans, get ready to get sweaty, get ripped, get pumped, for my summer pick. The movie that answers the question, are you VHS or are you beta? (laughs) Of course, I'm talking about Death Spa from 1988. But before we get into any of that, I'm joined by my co-host, my beautiful, bodacious co-host, Sweet Sexy Sleazy Z. Sweet, sexy, sleazy C. <laughs> You're sleazy Z on this one, buddy. I'm sleazy. Yeah, what the hell? I'm I'm gonna be sleazy Z tonight, I suppose. But uh, Corey, what is going on? Oh man, I do like how uh, this is your summer movie pick to go with uh, my summer movie pick from from last week, which was The Burbs, or two weeks ago, I should say. But yet, this movie takes place in February uh, <laughs> at Mardi Gras. But uh, we'll just yes. we'll slide past that. It's okay. <laughs> Whatever. Time's just a construct, man. It's all good. <laughs> it's exactly, exactly. Perfect you can get response. Fit any day of the year, you know. So uh, you can get fit any of the. You can get fit any day of the year, uh, except for maybe Christmas Day. And Thanksgiving Day, right? Because that's that's yeah. when you want to get fat too. There's two big days where you just want to get fat and gross, which for me is yes. every day, but for you, it's one or two days. Buddy oh boy, buddy boy, you outdid yourself with Death Spa, my friend. Uh, <laughs> this is a yeah. movie that I've obviously heard of. I've seen the cover for as a kid. I thought I always thought the cover was a little bit lame. But oh, the cover's terrible. Yeah, it, it is kind of terrible. But you know what's not terrible? This fucking movie. This movie, T to B, top to bottom, is a riot. It it knows what it is, and it has nothing but fun as it. Hmm, that that's that's clunky. How about this? It knows what it is, and it doesn't try to be anything else. And I'll just say real quick that I find it interesting that I watched. 
this in prophecy, kind of back to back, not the prophecy with Christopher Walken, but prophecy by uh, Frankenheimer, uh, 1979. And it's funny because that movie knew what it was, but it disguised itself as a, as an activist film. Like it's like it was almost like a Trojan horse. It was like, oh, we're we're all about activism. Oh, we're a monster movie. Here it is. This movie, on the other hand, is right out of the gate. It knows exactly what it is. It tells you what it is. And wow, it is so much fun. I had a blast watching it for the first time uh, and a blast watching it for the second time today, taking notes and everything. And man, I don't know where to look, buddy. I don't know if I should be looking at the nudity. I don't know if I should be looking at the fucking the insane leotards or the uh, postmodern Memphis Art Deco style. By the way, thanks to the documentary on the Blu-ray, I now know what that Art Deco style is with all the weird shapes and everything. It's called Memphis style. Never knew that before. Never knew that either. Never knew that either. Uh, Yeah, besides that style, there's quite a bit of Native American uh, art and African art as well. It's a hodgepodge. Throughout this movie. Yes. Yeah, it's a hodgepodge. (laughs) Is this your first foray into Death Spa? Yes. So this is my first time watching it. Now, I will say, and it won't color my review or anything, but I do remember listening to the How Did This Get Made uh, review of this. I think it came out like two years ago or something. And if I do remember correctly, I think they actually kind of enjoyed it too. Like one of the few movies where they don't just completely trash the entire time, you know? But yeah, first time watching it. I was I was texting Zach during the whole time of my of my funsies uh, time yesterday, my funsies viewing, I should say. I, I just I was like, this is just this is a riot. This is a fucking this is a hoot, and then it goes super dark, and then becomes a hoot again. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not for the faint of heart in any way, and and as much as this movie probably could easily get trashed by people i have a feeling we're not going to do that we're going to cherish it no no we're not uh, we're not trashing this at all <laughs> and if i'm coming in hot it's because i've been waiting for about 48 hours chomping at the bit to talk to zach about this film yeah you are coming in hot i can tell you're ready <laughs> you're ready to jump down on it i saw this movie for the first time a couple years ago at the at the Arrow Theater Horrorthon, a 12-hour horrorthon that they do every year, except for pandemics excluded, this was the opening feature to the to kick off the night. And boy, oh boy, was I not disappointed by Horrorthon, uh, the c- cinematic void Horrorthon that night. They just uh, like I saw this. I'm like, well, I don't need to see anything else. I'm done. Was this a crowd pleaser at that viewing? Oh, this is yeah. I mean. This is definitely a movie that needs to be watched with a group of people or an audience. Watching it solo is fine. You'll enjoy it just fine, but but definitely try to watch it with other people because it bears the it bears the 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 laughter and the the commentary throughout. So it's it's definitely a commentary filled movie that you would want to watch. This one is great. I mean, look, I chose it because I thought I haven't done anything super raunchy yet and if I'm going to go raunch, I'm going to go to the highest level. Yeah, it. you did. You did good. You did good, my friend. You definitely are going to wear the, the mantle of sleazy Z uh, this episode. But real quick, when I was uh, looking into the film, it's interesting because IMDb lists its release as 1988. But Wikipedia 
lists it as 1989, and then if you actually look when it was actually released, I guess on home video was its only release, uh, it was like 1990. So I'm going to go, whenever we talk about the movie, I'm going to list it as 1988 because I always trust IMDb over Wikipedia, although well, it is interesting that Letterboxd lists it as 1989, which I think is an indicator that they probably pulled their information from Wikipedia, not IMDb. Makes me wonder, because we interviewed Chelsea Fields for an upcoming crossover episode of Podcasting After Dark and $2 Late Fee. Look for that next month. Mm-hmm. But we interviewed Chelsea Field, who is in this movie, and she said this was one of her first movies she ever made. So I'm wondering if they shot it way before 88, and then it finally got released in 88. Yes, I will say, based on the documentary on the Gorgon Blu-ray, which is absolutely fantastic, it has about a 50-minute documentary, I believe someone mildly mentioned that it was, like, filmed in, like, 84 or 85, so... Makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, because the the aesthetic is not late 80s. It's definitely mid to early 80s. Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because, yeah, that Memphis style was more prominent in the early to mid 80s than it was the end of the 80s. Memphis style. All right. (laughs) Never would have associated Memphis with that. Neither would I. (laughs) Well, let's jump into the cast and crew of Death Spa. Uh, It's directed by Michael Fischer who uh, this was his first directorial movie. He followed this up with uh, My Mom's a Werewolf and Crack House. I remember the, the the poster, the cover, the VHS cover for My Mom's a Werewolf. Me too. I never watched it. Uh, I saw Crack House. It's not bad. It's got uh, Dana Barron from um, uh, um, National Lampoon's Vacation. And Jim Brown is in it. Richard Roundtree is in it. It's a, it's a, it's actually a pretty decent like drug movie, okay. you know. Oh, and it's got the dude uh one of the, some guy one of the guys from uh Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh David Irons actually just used him in uh, in an image for an upcoming book he's working on. Oh. And I did say Dana Barron was in it. I don't think she was in it. I'm thinking of another crack movie from the 80s that Dana Barron was in. You know, a crack movie from the 80s starring Dana Barron. Could have been anything. Anyways, uh, yeah, he had a, uh, you know, mix of uh, like a little good run there. He had a movie called Delta Heat that came out in 92 with Anthony Edwards and Lance Henriksen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, that's definitely a movie worth checking out. I remember watching it back in the day. But, you know, nothing too notable after that. It's written by James Bartriff and Mitch Paradise. I'm assuming Mitch Paradise is a pseudonym. I, um, I think so. <laughs> I would think. And But but James Bartriff looks like he only did an episode of What's Happening. So there you go. <laughs> All right, the cast. The cast is... You're like is mo- a, moving on. <laughs> moving on. The cast is a who's who and a who who. Um, starring as Michael Evans is William Bumiller. I had to look up the name to m- make sure I pronounced it correctly. Bumiller. Uh, William Bumiller was in small roles in like Species, and he was in in twenty the TV show Twenty Four, Boat Trip, uh, NCIS. It looks like the guy's actually been working fairly well throughout his entire career yeah and apparently he was working as a uh like a manager of a gym when he got hired for this so i think that and he thinks that might have helped him get hired for this 
I'm hoping he was not as physical with the gym members as he was in this. <laughs> I think if he was, he probably would have gone to jail. Yes. yes. In the 80s, he would have been promoted. Now he would have been canceled. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And and Brenda Brenda Backey plays Laura Danvers. I know uh, her as Cordelia from Demon Knight. Tales from the Crypt presents Demon Knight. Yeah, probably one of her bigger roles. She's actually been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, the mid-90s were good for her. Under Siege, Hot, Hot Shots Part 2, and then later on in the 90s, uh, L.A. Confidential. Yeah, yeah. She's and she's still working to this day. It looks like too. So yeah, Brenda Backey, she's great. Merrick Buttrick plays David Avery. Yeah, Merrick Buttrick, rest in peace. Unfortunately, he died in 1989 at the age of 29. I think he died of AIDS. Yeah, he he did. He did. And of course, everybody knows him as uh, David from the first, uh, se- the second and third Star Trek film. He plays Captain Kirk's uh, son. And man, is he like in leagues out of everybody else's depths in this. Like he he's acting on a whole nother level than anybody else is in this film. Yeah, he's terrific. He was on a great 80s TV show called Square Pegs uh, with a young Sarah Jessica Parker mm, back in okay. the day. He was terrific on that. But, I mean, the guy the guy was in a bunch of things. You would recognize him. He was in Fright Night Part 2. He was actually one of the highlights of Fright Night Part 2. Uh, but I guess he died soon after that. So, yeah, real shame. The guy's a terrific actor. Love that dude, Merritt Buttrick. Yeah, yep, me too. I always liked him as Kirk's son. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I was super believe. I'm like, oh, it's Kirk's son. And then I'm like, whatever happened to that guy? Look him up, dead. Yeah, yeah, like oh 1989. It's, it's crazy. I'm going to go, like, not necessarily what IMDb did, did yeah. with their uh, casting or with like listing because some of these characters I'm like, nah, but you're not as m- memorable as other people. Uh, Sherry Shattuck plays Catherine. Wondering who Catherine is? You will find out <laughs> in a little bit. And this was uh, Sherry Shattuck's first role. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, easy on the eyes, so to speak. And uh, she was in a uh, bunch of stuff in the 90s and the 80s. Straight to video. Uh, did a couple movies with Don the Dragon Wilson. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, she's she's been around the block for a long time. Um, just, I, I hate to say this, but I've said it before. Kind of a cookie cutter blonde actress. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you there. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I'm, I'm picking up uh, what you're putting down. You picking up what you feel me play. <laughs> uh, one of the bigger names in this movie, maybe the biggest name in this movie uh, is Ken Foray as Marvin. Now, Ken Foray... We all know him from Dawn of the Dead, blah, 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 blah. From Beyond, uh, which, we review, which we reviewed a few months back. Exactly. I mean, the guy's a, a legend in the business. So seeing him in this and acting really well, like doing yeah. his best job, he always gives an A-plus performance in every role, I think, and he shines as Marvin. Yes. I, I love him in this. I would say he probably only filmed for like four days, though, because he kind of disappears comes back and then gets thrown through a window and kind of disappears again so it's like yep. he's not in it much but when he's in it him and william Bumiller have great rapport together yeah like they were playing football or something yeah <laughs> um rosalind cash plays sergeant stone rosalind cash is a pretty legendary actor uh she died in 1995 at the age of 56 unfortunately um, she's been in so many 
movies and TV shows. You look up what she's been in, it's like uh, everything from super cheesy to like super classy. I probably know her best from uh, Omega Man, which is a movie with Charlton Heston that I very much enjoy. Um, yep. But uh, she's uh, she was also on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and we actually have another Fresh Prince of Bel-Air alumni in this movie as well. We sure do. Uh, Karen Parsons plays Karen Parsons plays Brooke, even though her name's not mentioned in the movie. Yeah. Uh, the but it is in the cast and credits. Karen Parsons from Fresh Prince from Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I think this is her first movie she ever did. I think so too. Uh, uh, Hillary Banks and on Fresh Prince, dude, I had the biggest fucking crush on her uh, growing up when I was back in the '90s watching Fresh Prince of Bel Air. So I was like, when I saw her in this, I was like, what the fuck is that? Is that Hillary Banks walking by? <laughs> yeah, and, and she had the opportunity to uh, help Michael with something, but, well, that took a turn for the worst. <laughs> we'll get yep. to that later. Uh, Tane McClure, if you don't know that name, our, our uh, some of our listeners definitely will know who Tane McClure is. She was on every B movie uh, late night on Cinemax that you can think of. She plays Vicky. She has a very interesting um, moment in this movie. A couple. Is she the the sauna the girl? That's, yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Sauna girl. <laughs> um, and I'm gonna mention like two more people. Lieutenant Fletcher is played by Francis X McCarthy. I guess he likes to use his middle name, middle <laughs> uh, middle initial. This guy, you recognize him from everything. I remember him uh, mostly from being the principal. Uh, being a principal in the movie Summer School. You know what? That's probably where I know him from, too. You know, you look at his IMDb. He's been in a million different things, everything, you know, things you've watched. But I probably remember him as that, what you just called out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, he he's he's just one of those guys you just recognize all the time. He's got his white hair. He's always had the white hair, you know? Yes. Playing Jeffrey is Chad Hayes. Uh, he, he has like maybe one or two scenes in this movie. Only reason I bring him up is he's one of the twins from the movie rad. Oh, is that the guy who gets his face like sort of twist around in, in yes, this movie? The pirate. Okay. The pirate. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought he looked familiar, but I wasn't quite sure from where I'm like, it's Tomax in from <laughs> Tomax and Zaymod from rad. Oh my gosh. So cool. Uh, if you got, if, if anyone is a fan of rad, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Uh, and rounding out the uh, some of the more important cast members is Chelsea Field, who plays Darla. Chelsea Field, you know, from Masters of the Universe, Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man, The Last Boy Scout. Commando. Commando. You're going to know <laughs> Skin Deep. Uh, you're going to know more about her next month. But she plays Darla. This is one of her first starring roles ever, and it shows. Yes. Yes, it does. She is uh, easy on the eyes, but maybe not so easy on the ears for acting wise. <laughs> what do you mean? She also has the, 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 the best vocal fry in the business. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> she had vocal fry like in her early 20s. I know. <laughs> Anyways, Death Spa is a is a is a who's who of who, like I said who's who of people you recognize and people you have no idea who they are. However, I will say this. Overall, great cast, great casting, and pretty damn good acting for a real BB movie. 
and really damn good like cinematography and music as well. Uh, we at the beginning, I'm going to talk about uh, how they pulled off that that shot at the beginning of the film, which is fantastic. But before we jump into it, uh, I do want to give a shout out to what is this Gorgon right Gorgon uh, video? Yeah, Gorgon. Yeah, um, they have the best menu screen I've ever seen on a Blu-ray for this film. It is absolutely fantastic. I just want to call that out. The 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 transfer looks great. This Blu-ray is outstanding. It comes with a Blu-ray and a DVD. It's the unrated version. But I would say pick, the, pick it up for literally, I mean, the movie's fantastic, but for the, the menu screen alone on the Blu-ray is just outstanding. Yeah, my only uh, complaint, and it's a nitpicking one, I wish they would have done some new art for it. Yeah, that's always a thing. I it, this of everything, this movie could have deserved some some better artwork done. But it looks like the what they do use is like a cleaned up, more more precise version of the original film uh, poster. I almost wonder yeah. if they like just reproduced it as accurately as possible, you know. But it looks cleaner than the original. Yeah, to be honest with you, is actually one of the things that pushed me away from renting it as a kid in the 80s at the VHS at the at the video store because it kind of grossed me out I was like oh the cover art is just too kind of gross but once you watch the movie it you know kind of makes sense like you don't need all that yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I think uh, maybe a more subtle cover for me it wasn't so much it was gross. I was like, well, how's the lady alive with her skeleton face? Yeah, I was just like, I'm not buying this cover right here. You know, it just I'm not buying it. it. I'm not buying it, baby. <laughs> well, y'all gonna get bought in just a minute because we're gonna jump into Death Spa right about now. Michael. Michael. Telling yourself isn't so hard, really. Come to me, I need you. Jump, jump, jump. Death Squad. Welcome to the health club where you'll sweat blood. Never work without a spotter, Freddy. Wake falls on your chest and you can really get squashed. It's the place for a killer workout. An unquiet spirit reaches out from beyond the grave. Welcome to my party. For revenge. I will destroy this place. And I'll kill them all. Unless you do as I say. People get so thin they disappear. <laughs> All right. Movie has no opening, like production, uh, you know, company title screen or anything like that. The movie just literally just opens up immediately with a shot of like what appears to be, I don't know, Hollywood or Sunset Boulevard. Uh, there's an overhead crane shot where the camera kind of pans down slowly on Starbody Health Spa. 
as people are leaving the gym and you hear thunder and lightning crack. Yeah, it's it's so this opening shot where the the camera comes down and then it starts moving into the spa uh, was done via a, a cherry picker. Um, like a crane, but it was done uh, with someone, actually not just someone, Liz uh, Ziegler on the Steadicam, and which I just want to call out because it's a fantastic shot. And I, even before doing any research, I could tell what they did because you can kind of see a little bump when she steps off of the of the cherry picker you know but then after that it goes smoothly right into the spa it's a beautiful shot and i mean sets the tone right away where i was like oh this movie's more ambitious than i ever would have given it credit for yeah totally totally yeah before the camera kind of pans into the club um after the lightning and thunder crash yeah a pretty sweet synth sort pretty sweet synth score kicks in say that five times fast <laughs> uh, and you see rain falling from the sky and then suddenly a lightning strikes the outdoor sign of star body and cuts out all the letters except for the letters d-e-a-t-h-s-p-a spelling death spa it's a pretty cool way to start the movie oh it's fantastic absolutely fantastic right away i'm like oh this is this is going to be good. Like This is going to be good. <laughs> and, it's, and by the way, it keeps getting better. Oh, yeah. this We're just getting started. Once the camera goes into the spa, uh, the death spa, the you see like the lobby of the gym. You get views of different areas of the gym, the workout area, the front desk. Um, the workout area, the, the like weight room is funny because it has the letters um, of the of the gym on the wall. But but the letters like are outlined and then the gym equipment is like in front of those letters. It it doesn't look like your typical gym, which is kind of cool in a way, because it's like, how do we set ourselves apart from the rest of the gyms out in Los Angeles by doing something different? Yeah. And the cool thing is they had to build all of those uh, gym pieces by hand because they couldn't get Nautilus or whoever to sign off on on whatever, uh, you know, using their equipment to kill people. But did you? Did you notice the carpet in the gym part? Oh, disgusting. <laughs> like, I would not want to take a black light to the carpet in this place. It's probably filled with, you know, semen stains and crabs. Dude, we talked about that in uh, in, in Ninja 3 The Domination, how there was carpet in that jazzercise gym. And here it is again, man. And I can just imagine how squishy and gross that carpet is, dude. Oh, God. Disgusting. Disgusting. Uh, yeah, I, I, I did note that the uh, the letters on the wall of the workout equipment spelled star. Okay. I'm like, okay. <laughs> For star body? Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, probably. Yeah, it's totally 80s. Like, it is It is the, the peak of 80s kind of decor, like gross 80s decor, actually. Uh, but now I look at it and I love it. Back then I was like, oh, this would have grossed me out, especially <laughs> like some of the interiors of some of the various houses that we're going to see later in the movie. The camera pans by like each section of the gym quickly and you you pan uh past a uh the 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 dance room, I guess, and you see this woman kind of run out of view super quickly. It almost I, th- I thought at first it was a mistake. I'm like was was she did she realize that the <laughs> camera was there and she's like, "Oh shit." And she ran back and they're like, "Ah, just keep it in." But you realize that this woman is doing a dance routine. It's Linda, by the way. Uh, And she's doing like a flash dance type number. And it's a little awkward because 
the music that's playing doesn't fit the Flashdance type scene. Okay, so you say awkward. My note here was that I, it felt dreamlike to me because her her dancing and sort of the way the camera was cutting and moving around was was faster paced than the tempo of the song itself. Which, by yeah. the way, I thought the song was really fucking cool, like the synth wavy type of thing. But I I actually liked that juxtaposition because I felt like it gave the gave this opening a, just a real feel to it. You know what I mean? It, this thing has a feel right out of the gate that I don't think they quite capture again. But right now, it almost feels like an Italian film. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, you can see the, the leanings of the influences from uh, from that the, the director and possibly writers had because it has that vibe to it for sure. And you uh, called her Linda earlier. That's that's Laura, by the way. Sorry, Laura. Laura. And then there is a Linda. Okay, a, I didn't yet. A Linda gets killed later. So there's a Laura, there's a Linda, there's a Brooke, there's a Priscilla. Club girl. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Priscilla. You know, a Darla. Darla. It doesn't matter. Darla. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's Linda. Sorry. <laughs> it's Laura. <laughs> Fuck. It's going to get me. It's like me trying to say uh, Dukakum. No, wait. Dukamon. 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 Pokemon. Um, yeah, so she's doing her whole dance. Uh, she finishes her routine, and then suddenly she's sitting on the ground. Uh, she takes a swig from her water bottle, and a dude walks in and startles her, scares her. It's Marvin. She goes, oh, God, Marvin, don't do that. And he helps her up, and they leave the dance studio. As they're leaving the dance studio, uh, she leaves her water bottle there, by the way. <laughs> I noticed. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, litterer. And then, uh, anyways. and then they give this, like, they give each other this kiss when they part ways. And I was like, oh, they must be dating. No, no, they're not. But it's a pretty wet, sloppy kiss. Yeah, he gives her a nice big kiss on the lips after he tells her, uh, he's like, you look like a pro, Laura. And she's like, I'll settle for a workout. <laughs> and then he gives her a kiss and he asks her to lock up because she's the last one there. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. And after Marvin leaves, you see like a POV shot that follows Laura into her locker room. She uses her gym membership card, almost like a credit card, and swipes uh, a machine on the side of a wall to open up her locker. She undresses and puts a towel around herself. (laughs) I only note that because for Corey. She then leaves the locker room to go to the sauna. Suddenly, the music is getting very ominous. Laura enters the sauna, takes off her towel, and proceeds to sauna herself. And you see a whole lot of saunaing going on. Bro, six minutes into the movie, and we already have pretty much full frontal nudity. I'm like, thank you, Zach. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, six minutes in, and I'm already in love with this film. It's very... uh... To quote, uh, to quote, the opposite of Boogie Nights, it's it's sexy, it's sexy, <laughs> it's sexy, sexy Jack. Jack. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of moisture and saunaing going on there, and and then suddenly, after a long scene of her caressing herself, yes, I, th- uh, I thought it was going to go a certain way in there. <laughs> yes, yeah, so did I. Probably would have if this was in like the late '80s, early '90s. Yeah, uh, and then suddenly. The, the steam overhead uh, starts shooting out, like, stronger steam. You later find out, well, we'll get to what it is in a minute. But Laura starts panicking, uh, freaking out, and trying to get out of the sauna. But the door is, quote, locked. 
Uh, eventually, there's, she's like banging on the glass of the door, calling for help, and then eventually breaks the glass with her hand and then falls to the ground as the steam continues to cover her face and body. I love how she fucking palms that motherfucker like Michael Myers does with the car in, in Halloween 1, you know, when he's on the roof of it. I oh, love yeah. it. I was like, yeah, girl, you fucking palm that window to death. Break that shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you see her on the ground. But you'll find out what happens to her in a minute. Yep, and and when we do find out what happens to her, I'm glad that it's not just hot steam. You know, there's a reason Me too. for it. Yes. Cut to the next scene of Michael uh, sleeping on his couch while at his home while a black and white movie is playing on the TV. It looks like a Beatles movie, by the way. I'm like, are those the Beatles? Maybe. Okay, so name? that makes sense because um, I couldn't find his name in the credits, but I think one of the 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 he's not listed under the producers. But I think one of the people that helped make this movie, I don't know if it was funding or, or what was it they talk about in the documentary, but he produced the Beatles' Hard Day's Night uh, oh. movie. Um, the com- the studio that he did it for, I can't remember if it was 20th Century Fox, whoever it was, uh, they weren't very uh, interested in it at the time. So they actually didn't hold on to the rights to that film and kind of like let him have it because they didn't really care. So he used that money I think to finance this film. Um, so we wouldn't have had this death spa without Beatles, a hard day's night. Wow. Well, big mistake by Fox or, or yeah, whoever. whoever it was. Yeah. The Fox is like, whatever we own Disney now. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> well, that makes total sense. Well, there you go. Yeah. It's, I'm pretty, then it's probably hard day's night. Michael's asleep. So he doesn't even know it's on <laughs> and he cuts, it cuts to Michael dreaming of a woman on fire falling out of a burning wheelchair, screaming, and you suddenly cut back to Michael on the couch, now covered with a blanket, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because before he was just kind of like laying just in his regular clothes, and now he's like all cozied up, and his phone rings. So the, the dream doesn't like startle him awake. It's yeah. the phone that wakes him up. Yeah, well, I think this that is... makes sense because we do sort of learn later because we see more of it. I think he's living with that dream for a while now. I don't think it affects him as much as it would us because when I first saw this, I was like, oh, what what the hell was that? Because it kind of comes quickly. But boy, does when you start unpacking it in this movie, it gets darker and darker. This backstory is is like 10 times darker than this movie actually is. Well, you say he's been living with that dream for a while. A year. A year. Yeah. Is that enough to mourn no. the death of your wife by uh, who by suicide in on fire no in a wheelchair <laughs> no <laughs> not, I mean, it's not <laughs> yeah i don't know you, you tell us guys what do you think how long does it take to get over the death of a loved one who sets themselves on fire in a wheelchair and of course the cool thing is they will address this later you know yeah yeah they do they do address this later and uh i'm gonna say uh, six or seven weeks maybe no i'm kidding <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding anyways wakes up Phone rings, immediate cut to Michael in his Porsche driving down what appears to be Sunset Boulevard. Uh, he passes a McDonald's. I'm like, I think I know that. <laughs> and then I realize it's he drives past the Wiltern, so it's probably Wilshire. Yeah, actually. I think so. That's um, that's why I was tracking. Yeah, Michael Michael arrives at a hospital. Uh, the hospital sign is blurred out, by the way. And oh, I didn't thought that was interesting. I didn't notice that. I did uh, very much enjoy the Steadicam uh, following him as he goes through the hospital here looking for yeah, Laura. He walks... and, and I was like, it, this is so much better than it has any right to be. 
Yeah, it, the shot is great. Um, it's kind of interesting because he walks into the hospital and by himself walks into the burn unit by himself. Yeah. There was no one there to stop him, nothing. No. But, you know, he continues. <laughs> he walks... Uh, he's about to walk into what appears to be like a burn treatment room with the with the with the pools and everything, and there's like a woman in there about to get in a bathtub. You're like Jesus, dude! Like you don't give a fuck. Um, and he gets a pro- he gets approached by a doctor, who introduces herself. She goes, "You must be looking for Laura Danvers." <laughs> She's like, "Yeah, you just of course, of course, sure." <laughs> uh, Michael introduces himself, and he himself as the owner of the health club where Laura works, where the accident happened. She brings Michael into Laura's hospital room, and she's covered in gauze. Nothing underneath. Yeah, no, I noticed. (laughs) And she's got big bandages over her eyes, and her mouth, and her nose are exposed. I say that only because her, like, her mouth and nose and area, all that looks fine. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's like... Not even remotely, like, they didn't put, a, like, a little bit of makeup on. She just looks, the parts that are exposed, absolutely fine. But, yeah, she 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 does have eye bandages on. Yeah, and the doctor says, fortunately, it's not as bad as it looks. Uh, as Michael inspects her, the doctor continues to say that she sustained burns over portions of her body. And Michael says, burns? And the doctor says, yes, chemical burns. Chlorine vapor, to be exact. It's low grade. Then suddenly, Michael leaves the burn room by himself and goes into the waiting room, sits down on the couch. And by the way, next to him on the couch, there's like a, there's like a little side table and there's like a crushed Pepsi can on the side table. I'm like, that's odd, but (laughs) (laughs) odd choice. Michael falls asleep and the camera fades out. Yeah. One of only two fade outs in this movie, by the way. And like we, we alluded to earlier, uh, I do like the fact that it wasn't just hot steam that that kind of like fucks her up. It was chlorine vapors and everything. And that's the beginning of this movie could have just made it hot steam. It yeah. I, wouldn't have taken away anything yeah. from this film. But this movie is weirdly tight where there's where it doesn't need to be. No one was asking for an explanation. We all just assume it's hot steam. But this is a great example of the links that I think this film goes to to kind of make a pretty tight script about what is ultimately a possessed gym. It doesn't need to be this good, but it is, which makes this but movie fantastic. There's a lot of dynamics going on in a 90-minute movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 87 minutes, man. You got you got lucky on this one, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. And that was that was intentional. Um, cut to the next day at the health spa where all the members are decorated in literally every aerobic fashion you can think of from the 80s. Michael comes in. He's saying hi to, to the members. Uh, he gives one guy, he, like, smacks one guy in the arm. <laughs> squeezes another guy. Uh, we see Hillary Banks walk by. Yeah, you see other shots of the health club. And then a dude walks by her, totally out of shape. He's like the comic relief. That's Freddy. Yeah. You're going to see him in a minute. Uh, and then you pan by other people working out, including Ken Foray spotting a woman working out in a very interesting uh, aerobic outfit. Okay, so Ken Foray's outfit is weird so he's got like your typical like like workout shorts and like a workout top on no big deal but then he's wearing this like almost like a boxer's jacket type of thing like a robe one of those half robe shorty robes but it's like 
bright blue with a lapel that is orange and yellow striped. It is both god-awful and beautiful at the exact same time. Yeah, it, it's god-awfully awesome, I guess <laughs> is the go. way to put it. Uh, Freddy, uh, dude gets up from a bench press machine and, and uh, uh, free weights, and Freddy sits down to start pressing, and Marvin walks over and says, Never work out without a spotter, Freddy. The weight falls on your chest, and you can really get squashed. And so Marvin starts to remove some of the weight off the heavy bar, but then at the same time, Chelsea Field, Darla's walking by, and Freddie spots her, and he's like, no, 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 leave, uh, leave it, leave it, leave it, I'll, I'll be fine. <laughs> and Darla approaches both of them and says to Marvin, thanks for checking out the diving board for me. And, uh, and Marvin says, have you tried it out yet? And she says, no. Meanwhile, Freddie, who's trying to press this bar all by himself, can barely hold on to the bar. And he's starting to get nervous and he's calling for Marvin, but Marvin's distracted by Darla. And Freddie starts to lose control of the bar. And suddenly Marvin grabs it and just pulls it up with ease and puts it back on the bench. That was such a cool moment because he catches it like right in time. And you can tell it's one of those things where you could tell Marvin had it all under control to begin with. You know, he was, you can tell he's already kind of keeping an eye on Freddie. Um, I'd say the only pushback i have about this film is it, we introduced we're introduced to a lot of different characters that just kind of disappear at one point like freddie's not really in the climax yet he gets a lot of screen time before that and the same for chelsea fields character as well she just kind of disappears um yeah. I, I don't know like the reasoning behind that and again it doesn't really take anything away but it does kind of suck where you don't really get any sort of conclusion to anything with freddie or chelsea field or anything yeah, totally agree. Totally agree because uh, it would have been nice to see like Freddie get killed later in the movie or something, or or save Darla Chelsea Fields' character and then they get together or something. But Even yeah, better. there's nothing there. But I will say this: this spa is packed. It is jumping with people, and most of them are working out brawless. The women and the guys, most of them have mustaches and tiny, tiny shorts. So it's a it's a <laughs> smorgasbord of of body parts all over of this meat. place <laughs> of, meat. of meat. It's a meat yes. market. <laughs> You're right. Uh, Freddie tries to recover after looking kind of goofy with Darla standing there. And he says, I specialize in isometric crisis training. And Marv says, Freddie, why don't you show Darla some powerlifting methods? <laughs> and Freddie walks over to like where there's dumbbells and he tries to lift one of the bars. And Darla's like, why don't I get it for you? And then the camera pans up to a security camera that's watching them with really cool lights that move around the, uh, the with like the lens or whatever. Yep. And that cuts to the security room, computer room, where uh, David is watching everyone on a camera with like some random security guy with him. Yeah. who never gets mentioned, but he shows up a few more times in the movie. Yeah, yeah, and I don't even know if he's, like, credited. I don't even know who he was, like, actor-wise. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to track that, too, but I didn't find it. Uh, they're watching people on the monitors. The The security guy looks very excited, almost to the point where he looks like he's going to start, like, beating off, practically. Uh, and David looks very unamused looking at everybody on the monitor. And David says, I think we should help these people. 
why don't you say we increase the resistance? And then suddenly, while one guy's working out, David types something on a computer keyboard, and he's on a bike machine, like a you know pedaling, and he increases the uh, the tension on the machine so the guy can barely pedal on the bike machine. So you get you automatically realize that David is in charge of what kind of workout all of these people are getting. That's part of the high tech aspect of this death spa <laughs> and they so do, to speak and they do mention later that uh you know it's one of a kind and everything and what makes their their spa so unique is all of these high-tech features and whatnot but it in 2022 you look back you're like man they were pretty ambitious with what they were trying to like sort of propose with this this idea here but i can imagine back then that was it was probably pretty wild to to think of you know that everything would be controlled and and whatnot and it's not too far off how it is now when you have you know your your pre-cores all have these like you know things you can input in and all this information and everything and but they're not as automated as as they are here yeah, th- this is like he's in control of everybody's workout, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and But then he sees a guy bench pressing with free weights, and very smugly he, he says, now there's something even I can't improve upon. Mm. Yeah. And you're like, oh, interesting. Ah, yeah. okay. okay. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Imagine being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human. Something always watching. Something always waiting. What would you do? Where would you run? Where would you hide? If you were haunted for seven winters alone. Podcasting After Dark presents Seven Winters Alone. A dystopian haunted house story by David Irons. Available now in paperback and ebook. And now, back to the show. Cut to nighttime at the health spa. Two cops come in through the front door and go to the front desk. They're, they ask for the manager, Priscilla Wayne. The manager approaches them. Pr- Priscilla, brawl us the entire movie, Wayne. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the male cop introduces himself as Lieutenant Fletcher from LAPD, and the and the female cop is introduced as Detective Stone. They say they have an appointment with Mr. Evans, and she takes them to the smoothie bar and asks if they, if they would like to get something to drink first. Fletcher says, yeah, coffee. Priscilla asks the smoothie girl to make one cup of carob coffee, and, and if you guys know what carob is, it's like the disgusting version of chocolate. Oh, okay. And so my mom, my mom worked at the first health food store in Detroit and the first one. And uh, she would bring home like treats from there all the time. Oh, I got you a healthy snack. And it was like a chocolate bar, but it was made out of carob. It was disgusting. Oh, I've never even heard of that, dude. Okay. So it's not made from cocoa beans or something? Nope. It's like carob beans or something like that. I think. I think. I could be wrong, but it's disgusting. It's like, it's disgusting. So Fletcher's reaction in a minute tracks. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is funny because I didn't understand it. So that that's even better. 
Well, there you go. The cops look around while she makes the coffee. They're looking suspiciously at everyone. Priscilla hands Fletcher a cup of coffee in a weird-looking mug. It's very artistic-looking, and they walk towards Michael's office. Detective Stone comments on how impressive the gym is, and the manager says it's an expensive, competitive business. And Fletcher smugly says, yeah, you know, do a little gassing here and there. And Priscilla doesn't even comment on that. And then Fletcher takes a drink from his coffee, gags on it, and he says, you call this coffee? And he throws it in the trash. (laughs) You cut to Michael's office now, where Stone is commenting to Michael that Laura was rescued by city paramedics. When they got the call, we get the call. And Michael says, it was an accident. And Fletcher says, yeah, but this accident nearly dissolved a girl like an Alka-Seltzer. Michael's in the room with Priscilla and the two cops and some random guy who turns out to be Tom, his lawyer. The other guy introduces himself. The lawyer, Tom, asks if the cops are making any charges. And Stone says, uh, Miss Wayne mentioned the computer. It runs the spa? Question mark. Michael says, the computer helps us run the spa. The system is unique. Starbody controls all the automatic functions. And then Stone says, who installed the computers? And then Tom says, you don't have to answer these questions. <laughs> Michael says, no, my programmer is my brother-in-law. Well, my, my former brother-in-law, David Avery. <laughs> and the cops ask where he is. And Michael says, oh, he's probably in the computer room. And they take him over there. They take the cops over to take a look. Yeah, Michael's office has some interesting set design. There's a, there's at one point he has like a, a the back part of a weight bench or something, but it's also just holding up a like a Native American vest. Like it's just there to hold that up. It's like a big metal thing there to hold up just a tiny vest. It's really weird. They they make some choices in this movie as far as decor goes. They do. I, I noticed that uh, his yeah his his office is decorated with bull skulls that have native american art on them so clearly like they went to a southwest shop to decorate with but there's no backstory to any of this stuff no no makes you wonder if like that that was big in in the mid 80s like the the native american style maybe it's so funny that you say this by the way because i had all that in my notes like right after the end of the scene i'm like talked about the native american stuff and here you are bringing it up so there you go uh yeah so so really quickly uh priscilla asks michael how laura is and michael says less than wonderful (laughs) just i don't know michael's smugness about him this whole thing is really entertaining (laughs) cut to the next scene where michael and the cops are walking towards the computer room stone asks michael who has access to the command center michael says i do and david and priscilla but it's David's baby. Fletcher says, what did you mean by former brother-in-law? And Michael says, my wife is dead. And the cops look at each other and they go into the computer room where, you get, where they meet David. David looks at Michael and doesn't acknowledge the cops and says, good morning, Michael. Sleep well? Michael responds, we have visitors, David. They introduce themselves to David. Tell us what you know about last night. And David says, I've been running all the programs. There's no breakdown anywhere. Fletcher asks if if someone could have reprogrammed the computers temporarily. And David says, no, it's not possible. You're looking at the only person who would know how the system runs. And I know well enough not to leave muddy footprints. Stone says, well, that narrows it down to just you then, doesn't it? And David laughs and he says, if I were interested in a life of crime, 
it would be in computer espionage, electronic blackmail, and credit card fraud. I'm like, oh, that's very modern. He goes, assaulting women isn't my style. And that's what I freaking, I love this right here, where he's like, nah, dude, I'm too smart for that. If I was going to do something, it would be, you know, X, Y, Z. And, and like you said, that's pretty damn progressive about credit card fraud and everything, because that's all the shit we kind of deal with nowadays. And they were kind of ahead of the curve on that one. But I do like how he's like, nah, I'd be doing that. Not, not this, guys. Come on. Yeah. No, come on. And he says, besides, oh, well, Fletcher asks David where he was last night between 9 and 11. Where were you, see? And David says, I was at home, hacking. Hacking. <laughs> and Fletcher says, hacking? And David says, hacking, experimenting with computer programs. Stone interrupts and says, are you sure? And David gets up from his computer monitor, walks over to some file cabinets, and pulls out a bunch of paperwork, like a printouts. And he says, these are computer printouts from last night. You'll notice the time, date, and terminal number on the upper left-hand corner of each each sheet. Each sheet. Yeah, I wrote shit. <laughs> each sheet. He slams him down on the table, looks at the cops, and says, will that suffice? Stone picks up the papers and says, I'll check it out. David responds, I like those back when you're done with them, miss. And Stone looks at him and says, Sergeant. <laughs> I love that. Me too. And by the way, his definition of hacking is probably one of the best, most concise definitions I've ever heard in a film. I'm like, damn, this... <laughs> Again, this movie does not need at all to be like to be this tight here and there, you know. No, and again, uh, he's such a strong actor too. Yeah. He's so good. Yeah, everybody's good, even if the script kind of falls apart at times or it's just cheesy or hokey. These guys are still doing a good job acting. Yeah, yeah, they are. I there's a couple weak <laughs> weak spots, but uh, you know, it's a but overall, I'd say it's it's a strong strong cast. Yes. Agreed. Cut to Darla diving in a pool. Speaking and... of one of the weak spots in the, in the, uh, in the acting. <laughs> she probably I'm would sorry. agree with we, you on that. We, we love Chelsea Field, but it's true. And even she admits on the interview that this is the movie that she sort of did in her transitional period between being a full-time dancer and a, and a full-time actor. So, like, she's, even she admits she was still learning the ropes, still learning to be an actor and everything and, and getting better at it. And she does become much, much better at it. True, true. Well, this is a moment when she's not necessarily because she's swimming in the pool, doing some swimming techniques or whatever. And at one point, <laughs> she looks directly at the camera. She's, she's swimming in the pool and doing some swimming dot, dot, dot techniques. <laughs> Great description, you know, buddy. <laughs> I don't know. It's like spinning around some shit. Te techniques. Techniques. Um, but in a... In a at one point, she looks directly at the camera and smiles, which I think is really funny. Yeah. <laughs> so she goes back to the diving board. She climbs up the diving board, and you see a shot underneath of the board where the bolts are, and the bolts are coming loose. Almost like a spirit is making them loose. Yeah. She starts diving on the board again. The bolts come off completely, causing the board to fall off of the platform, and Darla screams as she falls into the pool. Someone yells out, it, it just came off. The boards came loose. Darla comes up from the pool immediately, and you cut to Michael with the cops running into the pool area when they hear someone say, there's been an accident, get in here. The cops rush in, as well as Michael, and run over to Darla to help her out. Michael puts a towel around her and like immediately, immediately like pulls her in, almost like to 
like affectionately. Very creepy. Well, it's interesting, too, because on multiple viewings, there is this underlying, like, idea that David thinks that that Michael was, like, cheating on his sister and everything. And you know what? We don't really sort of have any definitive answer to that, but we can probably look at the way he handles Darla and the way he sort of flirts with the two girls later. And you think, well, maybe there might be something behind David's theories, you know? Yeah, well, we'll get to this in a minute, but... Two girls put themselves on him, and he says, well, I like to, basically, he says, I like to try to get with you guys. Yeah. And they're going to. They're going to. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't. Well, we'll get to that. Anyways, yeah, Darla's like, the board, it just came loose and sprung off. And that, that's when Michael wraps the towel around her. She, she says, it nearly hit me on the way down. Uh, Stone takes off her jacket, throws it at Fletcher, which I think is really funny. And, and as she goes to kind of investigate this, the diving board and Fletcher's just standing there holding her jacket and he looks over at stone while she's spe- inspecting the platform. And Darla says, somebody must've messed with the bolts. And I love this because Michael, Michael's lawyer, Tom interrupts and he's like, well, that's just speculation. <laughs> and I'm like, you're not on trial yet, dude. Just chill out. <laughs> but, uh, but you're also then, not wrong. <laughs> yes. From there, you cut to Fletcher looking up at the video camera monitor and David's monitoring the whole situation. You cut to David in the computer room looking at the screen while looking. He's looking. Okay, so he's looking at the screen while he's typing something on the keyboard. And then there's a monitor next to him that's not on. Yeah. But that's the main monitor outside of pervert security guy. In the other room, I guess that has monitors as well. Yeah, and the, the like the metal housing for at, at the desk for like three monitors is like the size of a door, right? Yes. But these are like tiny little I don't know ten inch monitors, and there's like three of them, but they have to have something the size of a door with metal housing to kind of keep them all there. It's ridiculous. Um, Michael comes in and asks if he can have a word with David. And David says, can we keep it to that? Yeah. <laughs> Michael says, you're here because you know the system because you're, and because you're Catherine's brother. David interrupts and says, both circumstances must be terribly trying for you. Michael says, if I thought for one moment you put chlorine in the steams, David interrupts and says, you'd resort to the only weapon in your pathetic arsenal, jock violence. jock violence jock violence okay michael says i think there's a glitch in the system and david says that's impossible and michael says then why are you so full (laughs) this exchange is hilarious because michael then says why are you so full of hate and david says you found some comfort for your sorrow i noticed but then laura was always there for you wasn't she david looks like he has tears in his eyes and michael says I love Catherine. And then David says, she never wanted that child. <laughs> Michael says, how do you get things so twisted up there? And they're looking at each other with a monitor in between them. like really closely looking at each other very passionately. And David says, we share thoughts you'd never understand. Twins. And David grins at Michael. And Michael backs away and leaves David. David puts his glasses back on and goes back to his quote unquote work, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. So it's a very funny, it's a very interesting scene because like Michael comes in to talk to him about one thing and then it almost like 
there's like a, an abrupt cut where they're like right in each other's faces, you know, and it gets really dramatic, like overly dramatic. It, it does. It does. But it's it's fun, though. It's it's fun. It's hilarious because they're so intimately close to each other. <laughs> Cut to Marvin leaving one of the gym areas while Michael's walking down another area of the gym. And they're now in the hallway together. And Marvin says, hey, I just heard about the diving board. What the hell is going on around here? And you immediately cut to the two cops, Stone and Fletcher, at a burger stand, speculating on what might have happened at the gym. Fletcher is eating a burger. And I only point that out because he squirts pickles all over his chest at one point. <laughs> And Stone's drinking a V8 because she's the healthy cop. Yes. He's the junk cop. Yes, and, and she's a bit disgusted at him, too. Fletcher says, I think they should just level the health spa. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, dude. And Stone asks if Michael's clean, and Fletcher says, I don't know. Uh, my money's on the wacko in the computer room. And he takes a bite. That's when he takes a bite into his burger and it spills all over himself. <laughs> Immediately cuts back to Marvin and Michael, now in Michael's office. And Marvin says, I don't see David clamoring up there and unbolting that board. And Michael says, do you think it can be, you think it's coincidental? Marvin kind of agrees with him. He's like, yeah, maybe. And then they look at each other and there's a football on the table, by the way. Marvin picks up the football and he tosses it to Michael. Michael has a smirk on his face and he tosses it back to Marvin. Marvin tosses it back to him. They stand up and they start playing football together. <laughs> it's a great scene. It's fun. And right as they do, Michael throws the ball at Marvin. The door opens and it's Priscilla. And she walks in with a costume in her hand and she shows Michael. Well, there's two costumes, actually. They're like mime or like clown costumes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think. Are and they she, based off of like that famous, this the crying clown or whatever? What's his name? I think so. I th I think so. I think that's what it is. I, I don't know. It's like a creepy black and white clown costume. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of when Crazy Joe Devola and Sarah and Seinfeld did, you know, had to dress up like the clown and, you know. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. And so uh, Priscilla said, I, Priscilla says, I figure I could be Tweedledee and you could be Tweedledum. And <laughs> Michael says, fantastic. And Marvin says, I'm going to go check out that diving board. And they leave Priscilla and Michael alone. Immediate cut to the detectives getting in their police car. Fletcher says, did you read the printout on the Evans guy, Michael Evans, about his wife? And Fletcher, Fletcher says, yeah, you know, it made the front page of the Times. He says, she killed herself. And Stone says, yeah, she was burned to unrecognizable ashes. And Stone says, does that suggest anything to you? And Fletcher says, yeah, I got to tell my wife to start smoking in bed. <laughs> Dude, I was like... Holy shit. Like, like, and by the way, his partner Stone, she shoots him like the ugliest look as and rightfully so because yeah. he's like talking about wishing that his freaking wife would burn up in bed. Right. Piece of shit. Man, Jesus. it's it's like that. It's like that. That Al Bundy mentality that I just don't get where like people just straight up hate their wives. We talked about that in the burbs with like art and everything. It's like, man, like that was such like an 80s thing where just like men were just hating their wives. It's like, what's the point? Yeah. Why did you get married? 
I know there's this whole thing of like, well, look what I got to deal with. Yeah. No, dude, you never had, you didn't have to, that was your choice. Yeah. I never, I never got that, dude. I never got that out. I mean, as much as I enjoyed Married with Children and everything, and I love like, you know, No Ma'am and whatnot, I still ultimately as a kid never quite understood it. Totally agree. And that's what therapy's for. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Cut immediately to the exterior of Michael's home, which is really posh, by the way. Michael lives in a, like, uh, what is it, Hollywood Hills type place. I mean, and it is, like, freaking huge. Yeah, he's doing well for himself running that spa. And that spa business, baby. Mm. Michael's uh, passed out face down at his desk. And while he's face down on his desk, he starts dreaming uh, and cuts to a wheelchair with fog or smoke around it. It's like sitting at what appears to be like Mulholland or something. And then suddenly the fog or smoke just gets more intense and the wheelchair is now burned to a crisp and there's flames surrounding it. And then you see Michael's dead wife, Catherine, behind the flames in a very haunting, haunting image. Michael immediately wakes up from this dream and you see a photograph of his deceased wife by his computer. Immediately cut to Michael and Marvin now jumping in a pool together, <laughs> swimming. This is I, I my called, favorite scene of the movie, by the way. I called this scene men being boys in the pool. <laughs> yes, they're definitely playing with the boys. Uh, Michael asks Marvin if he wants to race to the finish. But as they go racing in the pool, Michael pushes Marvin's head underwater. <laughs> he laughs and they have some playful splashing back and forth. Marvin then says, Mike, I just figured out what was bothering me about Laura's accident. When I left the club, I know Laura was the only one left in the place. Michael says, so? And Marvin says, well, how did Priscilla happen to find her? Michael says, well, maybe she was working late. And Marvin says, I didn't see her car in the parking lot. And Michael says, you think Priscilla had something to do with the accident? And Marvin says, you know better than I do. Then he pushes Michael under the water, and they go back to racing. <laughs> this is another great example of William Bumiller and Ken Forey's uh, rapport, which apparently, like I said, I think they they'd like just clicked right away. But my speculation is is that I think Ken Forey's such a nice guy that everybody just clicks right away with him. Oh yeah, totally, totally. I wanna I wanna hang out with the dude. Fuck yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Cut to. Another area of the fitness club, members working out in the weight area. Uh, Darla is walking by in her aerobic outfit, and she shoves a guy while he's chest pressing. So I'm like, if someone did that to me, I'd be like, get the fuck off me. Yeah. And who is, like, what is she? She's like, she's a gym rat. Okay, never mind. I answered my own question. She's a, she's a gym rat. She is a gym rat because she walks up to a dude who's doing one of those, like, back curl type things for his lower back, and she asks how many reps he can do. And he's like, 15 or 20? More if I'm showing off. And she says, well, why don't you show off for me? And the guy says, I never waste effort in the gym. Besides, I'm beta. You're VHS. <laughs> Which I love. Yeah. That no, is fantastic. It's a great line. And she looks completely like dejected and crestfallen when he says it. And she just walks away. But I'm like... But no, like you guys are both like sort of the same level of hotness. Like I don't, you know, as an outsider looking in, I'm like, I don't, I didn't understand why he just immediately shot her down. Well, I have two theories. One, he's 
straight and he's not into her and beta is is technically a superior tape to vhs yeah so that could be yes or two he's gay and she's not and she's straight that's probably the latter yeah and you know what i'm i i I like that i think you're probably correct on that one and i didn't even think about that and yeah i think you're right i think that actually answers it uh for me i will say that the documentary on on the blu-ray uh they did talk to this guy because this is the guy that's gonna you know get his ribs exploded um and he was a, a bartender uh working when he got actually he was working at a bar he was actually serving uh christopher Plummer a drink when he got a call that uh he got the job and he kind of hung up the phone and you know christopher Plummer was like oh is it good news you know and the guy was like yeah you know i got i got a small role and he's like no no small roles you know like type of thing he was like well, what is it he's, he's like movie's called death spa and he just christopher Plummer said he says he cheers and just says here's here's to you surviving death spa <laughs> that's, that's hilarious <laughs> that's awesome oh christopher Plummer, rest in peace r.i.p awesome. <laughs> what i love about the scene is right after that happens uh freddie's like on a rowing machine struggling <laughs> and he calls over to darla to hop on board and then darla just totally blows him off like i don't want you i want him yeah, I, I wish there was a conclusion to this Freddy Darla thing. It would have been great. Yeah, of them like hooking up and then in the in the uh, Mardi Gras and pulling his mask off, and she realizes that it's Freddy, but he's got a big dick, and she's like, "Oh yeah, Freddy, come on, I don't care. You are the white whale." Because he makes a reference about being looking for the white whale. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. And Maybe it he also made this movie gold. And it also would have given us like uh, characters that we knew to focus on in in the finale because uh, in like the last you know ten minutes of the movie because we just we really don't have too many characters for us to even like sort of care about at that in that scene. But anyways, it's literally a minor gripe, but I do think we're on the same page. I think we both wanted to see more from this little like they were building something. They were doing something yeah. with it, you know. They're trying. Yeah, they're trying. What they effectively did was the next scene showing how awesome a jazzercise class is <laughs> because we get our shot of sweet leg warmers leotards hopping around dancing around amazing music the music's popping it's a workout class it's a jazzercise class it's amazing and it's got great choreography great camera work um it's it's awesome this little scene you know, is is fantastic. And I know that they filmed in an ex-dance studio, so I wonder if they pulled a lot of the extras maybe from, are, are clearly, like, dancers and whatnot. Yeah, it makes sense. Chelsea Field was a dancer at the time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she got this because of that, probably. Yep. Uh, you cut to uh, Vicky, who obtained uh, McClure, and at a juice bar, uh, at the juice bar in the club talking to Rhonda, who's making her a veggie shake and they're speculating on all the creepiness going on and, you know, Laura getting gassed. And then the, di- the, the next day the diving board collapses and Rhonda's like, Oh, something's stuck in the blender. And she puts her hand in there to adjust it. And then she pretends to get it all chopped up. And she's like, I'm just messing with you. And, uh, Vicky goes, uh, I lost my appetite because she gives her the shake and she's like, here you go. And she's like, uh, I lost my appetite. And Rhonda's like, OK, whatever. And she licks her tomato covered fingers. 
Yeah. And thank you for, for letting me know that's that's Rhonda. I couldn't figure out which character uh, that was in the movie. And uh, yeah, she'll of course, this is foreshadowing to, to what her demise later will be, um, which is I, odd because and I'll call it out the the, the killer, you know, uh, Catherine, she likes to do the same thing multiple times. Like, you know, I'm going to do a couple hand things. I'm going to do a couple burn things. But she doesn't have a big she doesn't have a big like, like Rolodex of of kills. She kind of draws from the same shit multiple times. I guess maybe she's only she, because she's able to see the monitors through David's eyes. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Possibly. Oops. Sorry. You gave that away. <laughs> Spoiler um, alert. <laughs> anyways, back to the jazzercise room. Michael walks in wearing glorious short shorts and a tank top where you can see all his body hair, his shoulder hair, his back hair, his chest hair, yeah. his hair hair. Yeah. Michael in all of his hairy glory. <laughs> there was a time when tufts of hair on your shoulders and your neck and all that stuff just like no one cared. And it, it's kind of cool in a way. I'm like, I respect, but it's disturbing. <laughs> it's very um, disturbing. <laughs> I, my uh, my stepdad had that kind of like, he was insanely hairy, like straight up like a gorilla costume type of thing. Magilla gorilla. <laughs> of course, there you go. But I do remember when my stepdad would wear like tank tops and he, he was also had burns from when he was a kid. So he was like miss, missing like pieces and stuff. But like his hair would just like, like curl around the tank top and stuff. Oh. And I was like, Oh Jesus God. Yeah. That long hair can look all curly. Kind of oh. like other areas of body where it looks all curly. <laughs> and like, in, in I'm just going to give some insight guys and gals. Like I remember like going to the beach and my mom would have to put like sunscreen on them. It was, it was a wild scene, man. <laughs> it's like putting uh, you know, cream in your hair. It's like, you got to work it, work it in pretty much. <laughs> And by the way, everybody's hairy in this, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I call one out later, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, about two inches of uh, fucking pubic hair. <laughs> I'm expecting you to. So, yeah, Michael's in the in the workout room with the uh, – uh, and then two women approach him. They start flirting with him, one of which is Fresh Prince's cousin <laughs> and another one named Linda. That's a Linda that I <laughs> messed up earlier. Yeah, there's the Linda. Anyway, Linda looks like she's 15 – Fresh Prince looks like she's, you know, maybe 18 years old. Yeah. 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 Uh, Karen Parsons is looking pretty young in this. Yeah. And, and they're like, maybe we'll take you both on. And he's like, okay, sure. Or no, he says, maybe I'll take you both on. And they're like, sure. Oh my God. I, I mean, mean, dude, what the hell? You just invited them to have a three way with you? Pretty and much. You got a girlfriend? Yeah. Pretty much. And a much. dead wife who set herself on fire? You're a fucking asshole, Michael. You're a piece of shit. Sorry, he's a piece of shit. No, I, th- I think you're right, dude. I think we're, I think you're, you're kind of seeing what, you know, David probably saw and everything and, and whatnot. Yeah, dude. I mean, there is, he's not trying, oh, oh, I don't, I didn't know what you were talking about. He is clearly trying to get an active three way going with the two of them. He is. So, no one, that would drive any, partner insane if their husband was diddling around behind their back or or maybe not behind their back like kind of just showing all the glory yeah and and did uh oh Catherine's getting a little bit of support here yeah and did we like actually did they have have they mentioned yet how she became paralyzed during childbirth not yet yet. okay okay all right they haven't gotten there coming up right now okay because Cuts back to Michael going into his 
into his office wearing his amazing workout outfit. Uh, he smells something in, in his office, makes a funny face, and he's looking around and he finds a bird nest. Um, and the bird's nest has an egg in it. The egg falls to the ground. There's a dead bird fetus in there. I almost wonder if that's real. It looked real, and it looked like it was still moving, by yeah. the way. Like, and that's very disturbing. Like, knowing that this is a small-budget film, did they really take the time to create an animatronic bird that looks, the baby bird that looks that good? I don't yeah. think so. I think they probably just dropped an egg. Probably. Oof, rough. Uh, Michael immediately goes into the computer room, gets in David's face, and says, What's with the goddamn bird's nest, David? Michael says, you know, it's pretty sick. It, Michael says, it's a pretty sick joke considering she's your sister. And David's like, what are you talking about? And Michael says, I don't know what you're pulling, but you're not going to get away with it, David. And David says, you know, Michael, you do need medical attention. David's holding a stack of papers in his hand at the time, and Michael slaps them out of his hand. Michael says, just watch yourself, or you're going to need medical attention. Michael and his hairy back storm off. <laughs> you can watch my back hair as I walk away. Yes. Cut to a shower scene. Oh, by the way, so apparently they filled out the extras in this in this scene uh, with uh, porn stars, or they went to like a, a essentially they went to an, a, a casting agency that uses you know for adult stars, and they had some fun just being like, uh, we'll take her, we'll take her, we'll take her, and I think the director kind of um, was filmed this scene a bit longer, got more coverage here than than the producers probably deemed necessary i think he had a good time that day of shooting that's pretty obvious because there's a lot of lot to look at a lot of coverage yeah, <laughs> yeah but um uh, but darla d does not get coverage uh and darla's in there talking to her friend named marcy they're at asking each other what they're going to wear for mardi gras and marcy says she's like do you think snow white might be pressing my luck ha 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 why? Because she's a slut? Is that what's happening? Yeah, yeah, maybe it's something to do with that. I just wanted to call out really quick um, that Marcy, um, she is uh, played by Vanessa Bell Calloway. Um, I think she, I've never seen Shameless, but I think she, she had a pretty consistent role on that show. Oh, cool. Right on. Yeah, I mean, she's she's actually great for the limited amount of time she's in the movie. Yeah, no, I, I, like, suddenly... I like Marcy a lot, actually. Suddenly the lights go out and you Darla screams out, "Hey, turn the turn the goddamn lights back on!" But it's like this cigarette-induced way of vocal fry. No, dude, you you you're calling out exactly what I noticed as well. She she yells it out and she's got that scratchy fucking cigarette voice, but she's only clearly in like her her you know 20s late 20s you know yeah it's like holy, that. holy shit but yeah she's definitely a smoker i'll tell you that but her friend marcy's impressed and she's like oh not bad honey can you get us a man in here too <laughs> it's that's almost like something that like a guy would say in, in a movie of this ilk you know yeah oh totally totally and then you see your favorite shots of everyone in the room showering and then suddenly the the water gets super hot. Everyone starts screaming. By the way, the 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 shower heads are like everything's super over the top art directed. Like the shower heads have like red and blue and yellow. 
pieces around them, like pieces of art around the shower heads. Very funky. And, and there's like lower lights that sort of come out from down below that aren't affected by the overhead lights when they go off for some reason. It, it looks great. Cinematography is fantastic. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, why not? Why not? Uh, I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed with the amount of nudity. <laughs> the water gets hot and tile starts shooting off the wall and hitting women in the face. One scratches Darla's face. Everyone screams and they run out of the shower. The long shower scene. Um, I mean, it's it's amazing. It, dude, when I was watching the scene, I I was like I was like Ford Fairlane when he walks into the sorority house and he's like looking around just in shock and awe. You know, that's exactly how I was when I was watching this scene. <laughs> I'm sure you were. <laughs> Cut to Michael and Marvin coming into like a like a waiting room of the locker room of the gym. I don't know. It's such a weird, there's a lot of weird rooms. It looks like a waiting room is what it looks like yeah, of it, the gym. It's a very big gym with all. Yeah. Like Zach says, a lot of different rooms. Yeah. And, and, uh, Michael, they're asking if, uh, the women are all right. Uh, and he's talking to like fresh Prince's cousin and Linda, not Darla and not, uh, Marcy, the ones who got like messed up the most. And they're like, yeah, yeah, the other girls are okay. But to tell you the truth, Michael, this place could use better maintenance. <laughs> she's, she's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, she's not. And Fresh Prince Girl says, yeah, who needs weight reduction through, who, who needs weight reduction through fear? And Michael says with his disgusting ch- uh, hairy chest hair and back hair and shoulder hair and such. He's like, I'm sorry about the showers. <laughs> He says, I'm sorry about the showers. I want to extend your membership for three months. No charge. And he smiles at both of them. (laughs) And he says, he says, jump on by my office and I'll take care of it personally. And Linda says, do you think you could handle both of us after jazz class tomorrow? And Michael says, well, I sure, I sure can have fun trying. And they both giggle and they walk off and he's standing there with his hairy chest one of the women like grabs his, his stomach as they walk out. So awkward, dude. It's I mean, <laughs> and they're like you said, they're clearly like in their it's mid like, mid twenties, and he's a, in his... he's a piece of shit. He's he a is. piece of shit. He's his girlfriend's his... in the hospital right now with bandages on her eyes with chemical burns, and he's talking about having a three way. And he's at least fifteen years older than both of them. You know, it's 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 not the best look in the world, but it's definitely of its time. True, true. Now cut to now cut to Michael walking with Priscilla down the hallway. Priscilla's telling him kind of, you know, getting him caught up on the situation that Darla's cut isn't serious and Marcy should be out uh, in a second. She's pretty shaken up, but she's going to be all right. And Michael's still holding Priscilla oddly. And he says, why did you come back to the club the night Laura got hurt? And she looks at Michael and she goes, I forgot my purse. And Michael says, lucky for her, you did. (laughs) Cut to the workout room where Freddie is struggling on his rowing machine still. And the VHS man, I I wrote VHS man, uh, (laughs) beta man, walks over to the chest press machine, takes out a little membership card and swipes it on the wall. And the computer voice comes on and says, hello, Robert. Resistance is set at 120 pounds. Robert starts using like the chest press machine and suddenly the machine's uh weight starts increasing from like 131 to like 
150. Robert starts asking for help, but he's stuck. Uh, he can't get his arms out of the chest press area. And a bunch of people come over to try to try to get him out of the, out of the machine. But the machine keeps going up higher and higher. It's now at like 360 pounds. Freddie's screaming. And suddenly his chest bursts open. <laughs> his ribs pop out and blood splatters all over his rib cage. And he's dead. You know, it's it's on the cover of of the movie, so you know it's coming. I knew it was it was in it. You know, I remember the had this made guys and gals talk about it and everything. And some and I'm waiting for this scene to be silly or dumb, but I think this was handled very very well because or as well as making exercise equipment kill somebody because you're like oh well then just move your arms like sort of out of the way of the thing and i thought okay maybe there'll be straps or something but there isn't but i do think that this was shot and edited very well where like you get the idea that he just they didn't have time they couldn't get his arms free and then boom it happens quickly and it's also not as gruesome as the cover of of the the movie and for me it actually works better with how it is, um, because it's obviously a very traumatic wound that is happening to him because his ribs are breaking, but I actually like how weirdly small the effects are for this shot. And so I think that, combined with very good editing, uh, make a scene that could have easily been stupid. You know, I think it's one of those things where it's written on paper so easily. It's like, and the weight, you know, the weight goes up and his chest bursts. Like, but then it's like, how do you shoot that in a realistic manner? Like, how do you actually make that work? And they make it work here. And I think, you know, I'm starting at this point, starting to see all the pieces starting to like come together. You got Decent actors for the most part all around. You know, you got a script that's weirdly tight in some areas. And then now, like, when with one of the first big deaths of the movie, I'm like, okay, this is going to be cheesy. This is going to be stupid. I was like, no, this actually works. And I'm like, huh, for a movie about a possessed death spa, this is weirdly good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Like, up until this point now, I'm like, everything's totally fine. The death is not too gruesome i sometimes don't like overly gruesome death scenes in movies that are that don't need it yeah you know yep i'm, I'm with you buddy i'm 100 percent with you there from there you cut to the back to the computer room where david is in there with michael and tom michael's lawyer and you know michael's getting upset he's like tom the guy's torn to pieces we got to put those machines on manual and Tom's like, if you put him on manual, you're going to end what's unique about the club. And then David says, well, the computer had nothing to do with this accident. And Michael says, that system of yours means more to you than people's lives, doesn't it? And David says, the system is a marvel. It made the club a success. You can't blame the computer for tiles flying off the shower walls. The computer doesn't control tiles, for Christ's sake. And, and that's another thing that I like that they address, that they actually call out, that it's like can't be the computer like he does the tiles are just tiles you know right yeah exactly tom says the you know the other partners and and i agree that it's vital that nothing ruins the success of mardi gras of the mardi gras party saturday night you put the machines on manual and half your stuff isn't going to work michael wants to shut the system down immediately david scoffs michael looks at him angrily and tom says i'll make a bargain with you 
The day after the party, you want to shut down the whole club, close it for remodeling, I'll back you 100%. And David says, oh, that won't be necessary. And Tom says, it's going to be okay. You got to trust me on this one, buddy. Suddenly Tom's watch beeps, which is important to note. He says to Michael, aren't you supposed to be picking up Laura at the hospital right now? (laughs) Michael realizes he has to go and he says, okay, Tom, come on, let's go. And they put their arms around each other lovingly and they walk out. (laughs) And I will say the other, the only other problem, you know, that, that this film has to tackle is how do you keep the gym open, you know, when people are dying and, I think they push it as far as you can possibly go because like the, not a lot, most of the deaths come like at, during the party and everything or sort of like in a different area. But I think they're I think the writers and the director they're aware that you can only have so many deaths before the authorities are just gonna shut the place down. You know, so they do a good job of of sort of trying to move past it. I would say this one right here. The place would have been shut down for at least, a, you know, I would imagine a week. But okay, I, I'll buy it. Got no problems. We'll move on, you know. Yeah, I mean, everybody watching what happened, no one's going to want to use that machine equipment no, now. No, exactly. At all. <laughs> at all. Cut to Michael in his Porsche with Laura driving to Michael's posh Hollywood Hills estate that they probably rented for this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Laura's got on sunglasses on uh, under, and bandages underneath. And Michael walks her into the house and pops her up on a staircase, like kind of balcony, balcony area in his house. So he's got like picture an open living room with a staircase that goes up to the dining room, but there's no walls. It's very open, like lofty. I think it's awesome. I think it's fantastic. And I'm happy it's not a set. Because I will say that that doing this show with you, doing podcasting after dark with you, and like sort of like analyzing movies as deep as we do, one thing that I haven't really talked about that I do hate is I hate houses that are sets. I like it when they're actually a, a real location like this. I just think it's infinitely more interesting. Agreed. I think all of their shots are on location, including Tom's disgusting house <laughs> and David's house that tries to look gross but it's actually pretty cool yeah yeah D- david is cool yeah tom's is clearly looks like uh, san diego i think they filmed down there for that one. Oh, that that makes sense yeah. it's disgusting <laughs> um with that gross wood semen yeah. filled crab filled carpet yeah oh my stepdad once was doing a tile job uh, in a in a rundown house that had carpet in the bathroom and he's ripping the carpet out around the toilet he got crabs in his beard he had this big full beard before beards were hip got crabs in his beard jesus came home one day was itching his face and and my mom's like what why what's wrong and she checked him and he had crabs in his beard did he have to shave it did he shave his beard off yep oh disgusting Got crabs from the carpet in a bathroom oh god that's disgusting and also carpet in a bathroom disgusting (laughs) yes Ooh, curly hairs in carpets don't go. Uh, or they do go because they're both disgusting. They both should go. Yeah, Anyways, they both should he, go out the window. <laughs> Michael pops her up on the staircase balcony area, and he gives her a present. It's a white nightgown. <laughs> like the same one that his wife died in. I didn't piece that together. Good call, buddy. <laughs> wife dies in a white nightgown. He gives 
his girlfriend a white nightgown Ugh. that she can't see, by the way, that she can only feel. Anyways, uh, immediately cuts to Michael kissing Laura on the neck at dinner time. She's got her bandages on her face, and he's feeding her a limp asparagus piece <laughs> that looks like a dick, like a purple, like a green dick. It's like the most limp asparagus dude when i first watched it i mean you know guys and gals my my first time is always for funsies so i'm usually high i was watching it and for like a nanosecond i thought that was like a fake snake head or something that was like you know the way it was shot from the side i was like pineal gland it's a green pineal gland (laughs) yeah it is from from beyond but then i was like Oh, asparagus. I mean, I, I like asparagus, but I was like, so well, I guess her pee's going to be stinking later. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't seem too bothered by the fact that, well, you know, she's got chemical burns all over her, all over her body. So who knows what he's going to do to her later? And yeah, he's in. <laughs> this is the part of the program. If you if your eyes are if your ears are sensitive to explicit content, you might want to close them now. And he's going down on her and, you know. He can smell his dinner. <laughs> it's going to go down on her and be like, ah, oh, asparagus. Bad. Asparagus was a bad choice. <laughs> and I, gone with the pot roast. <laughs> like in Shivers. <laughs> was she making him a pot roast in Shivers? <laughs> yes, exactly. Should have gone the Shiver way. Um, anyways, yeah, she, he's she's like, oh, this sure beats hospital food. Keeps making out with her neck. She's like, oh, I may never take these bandages off. <laughs> like what the fuck (laughs) cup to michael and laura on a couch by the fire michael says i want you to move in with me laura and she says only on one condition michael we take a drive by the club so i can pick up my things (laughs) (laughs) they both laugh she's holding a rose it's romantic sure (laughs) sure back in the gym everyone's leaving the gym Camera is panning through the locker room area, the women's locker room area, where Marcy is now in the locker room by herself. Uh, you see doors slamming back and forth, opening and closing, like on their own. Yeah, and they're they're Mar- going full on like ghost at this point. You know, they're not even yeah, holding back. Yeah, because she's alone. She's alone, and and clearly the spirit has entered and wants to fuck with her, slamming these doors back and forth. She's like backing into another locker. The locker suddenly opens and a spike comes out of nowhere and goes through her neck, killing her immediately. Yeah, very cool. But I didn't quite like know what it was, you know, it like, was just like a random spike They're They're moving forward. The deaths are like, wait, why, what was that all about? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of wish there was like. I don't know. It was something like in the gym. It's like it just all of a sudden just appears there. I mean, it's cool. It goes through her throat and she kind of screams. And like, I liked that. I just wish there was a little bit of a buildup and you could maybe see what it was, you know, like it was a piece of the locker or something. But yeah, there's there's another one later. I'll also call out that I was like, what just happened? Oh, it was a it's going to be in the sauna where where that girl's the guy's head like just all of a sudden explodes. I'm like, wait, what just happened? Um, so the one, the one thing I'll say the director, I guess, just doesn't do the best job with is setting up the kills. So you sort of know what's going to happen. It's, it's, it almost sort of comes out of nowhere. He sets up the kills almost like jump scares where you're just like, bam, dead. Yeah. Yeah. Move on to the next thing. Yeah. So he just, it's almost like he just wanted to throw in kills 
to get people to watch this movie. Otherwise, it's a probably on paper originally. I bet you anything this was just a, a murder mystery yeah. on paper. Yeah. And then they wanted to get, you know, butts in the seats or people to rent the movie and they threw in the gore factor. Yeah. Yeah. Because that because, all seems kind of secondary. Because ultimately there is like no no ramification for Marcy's death, even though they do talk about it later. It's not like she just disappears, you know, completely. You know, they do address it, but there is ultimately no ramification. So you could almost say like, okay, this character could have easily just been written in to die, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I noticed too, like, the more I think about it, you could easily make this movie without the deaths and have it be like, is someone sabotaging the gym or is it a spirit? I you know. And so I think you're right. I think the, the first draft uh, had something to do with like a, another, like a guy in the basement that they were kind of like setting up as a red herring uh, for, for the killer. But I think they, I don't think they ever filmed anything with it. I think they, uh, they jettisoned that idea even before they started shooting. Yeah, their 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 quote unquote red herring is more like a pickled herring <laughs> later on. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, from there, Michael and Laura are now in the gym. Michael's walking her towards the locker room, and she tells him which locker is hers. They're giggling. Michael leaves Laura there to go turn off the security for her locker or something but i'm like yes hey, but she's blind he's like here you know stay here and she's like where am i gonna go but i'm like why didn't you swing by your office first or the computer room first turn off the security first you know so you can stay together and then you go to the locker together you know yeah yeah you stay here because i don't know where the girls lockers are women's locker room is you stay here so i know where you are <laughs> like yeah. it doesn't track at all and it's you're, very confusing and you're blind so don't go anywhere you know yeah, and she's like, and Laura's like, I'm not going anywhere. And now Michael's in his office now, goes to a computer monitor, types something on the keypad, cuts back to Laura oh, in the locker room. Well, can I just say real quick, I, yep. what he I did look up because I was taking notes. He types in like security access bypass colon Catherine, but he uses no last name. So like. The, that implies there's only one Catherine at the entire fucking gym. Like, you'd at least think you would say, like, Catherine, and then put, like, a, a locker number Evans. in there or Catherine something. Evans. You know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, the Peter, uh, the computer asks for a, a password, and he types his dead wife's name in, Catherine, right? Oh, never mind. I guess that's, that negates everything. You're right. That was I looked up and I thought Catherine was Laura's name. Eh, Nix everything I just said. I'll probably well, no. have, <laughs> I'll probably have to keep mean, all this, but I think I'd botch that. No, it's okay. I mean, like, but also too, you know, it's such a basic like name. Well, also too, like I'm trying to dig you out of holes. no, no, you're you're right, but but you are pointing out the fact that his password though. It's Catherine. Like, he's still holding some kind of a flame for her, clearly. Uh, he's probably, like, a sex addict and just wants to bang everything in sight. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Anyways, back to Laura. <laughs> She's by her locker. How how she knows her locker is ready is beyond me because it doesn't beep or anything. Suddenly, she just it's like she knows. Yeah. Her locker opens up. She starts collecting her things. And there's a dead body in there. It's Marcy in her locker with a spike in her neck. But Laura can't see because she's blind. And her, and by the way, Marcy's face is all like melted now. How does your face get melted? 
That's what I was going to say. Yeah, so Marcy, yeah, we saw where she got something through her neck, but now it's her face is melted. I'm like, oh, okay. She actually almost almost looks like the, the cover, you know, poster thing. Um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah I was like. It's probably what she was supposed to be. Yeah, I think something different happened to her, and they used that footage, and then they changed her actual death itself, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, and also this that connects later on when Catherine kills someone else, and his face is all gooey. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. Where, where'd that come from? Yeah, you're right. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe it's something she can do, like one of her powers or something. Sure. Sure. I'll give that to you. <laughs> uh, you cut to a, a woman uh, in, in black walking down the hallway uh, while the music is like getting menacingly dark and it's getting louder. And Laura closes her locker and calls for Michael. Cut to Michael looking at the computer screen. Suddenly on the computer screen are the words, Michael, I miss you. Mm -hmm. This is before, and I think they did film this in in the early 80s. This is before Prince of Darkness. So using the computer screen from the the other side is kind of cool. Yeah, agreed. Maybe John Carpenter ripped that off. Anyways. (laughs) Uh, Cut back to Laura in the locker room calling for Michael still. Cut to a woman in the black uh, walking down the hallway closer to Laura. Cut to Michael's office. The computer monitor has a monitor next to it. And that monitor suddenly turns on and Michael can see that this person in black is walking down the hallway. Cut back to Laura in the locker room. Michael has now left his office to try and find Laura. Cut to the woman in black walking down the hallway. And you see a woman, a glimpse of the woman for a second and her face is horribly disfigured. Laura's like trying to find her way out of the locker room. She suddenly doesn't know where the hell she's going. Michael runs up behind the woman in black. Michael pulls uh, the woman back and pulls what appears to be a mask off. And it is a mask. And who is it? It's Darla. Darla's smiling like a moron. Smiling like a moron, scaring Michael and Laura in the process. And Darla says, hi, Michael. How do you like my costume? (sighs) Michael says, very bad taste. They storm off, and Darla just shrugs her shoulders, apparently. And Darla was left behind, and that's the end of the scene. So, multiple things. One, you know, we're just supposed to... This this movie proposes that Darla is just walking around the gym, you know, uh, after hours, because we're there after hours at this point. So she's walking around the gym like that with a mask on. She startles the gym owner... And doesn't, like, sort of understand why that's wrong. Like, she's like, hi, hoo-hoo. And then they're like, you know, like, and then there's no ramification for that. He's not like, fuck you, Darla, you're a moron. They just walk away, and she just literally, literally almost looks at the camera and shrugs. And she's never seen again in the movie. Yeah, I mean, she, maybe Michael just, like, ended her membership that day. (laughs) He must have. But this is such a weird, weird thing at the the end of this scene here, this red herring thing. I want to surprise Laura, and she's blind. Do you like like my mask? (laughs) Do you like it? I'm 21. Yeah. She acts like she's like a 12-year-old, like not understanding like what she did was wrong. Yeah, makes, yeah, it's. It is wrong on so many levels. (laughs) So many. Hey, everybody. Corey here. 
I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal mm. is a joke. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. And now, back to the show. And the next scene is wrong on so many levels because you see Michael sitting in a chair with his disgusting body hair exposed, wearing super short, short shorts. Yeah, like nothing else. Like he's just wearing short shorts, like those yes. 80s short shorts. And yes. this man, yeah, he's hairy like my stepdad was hairy. I'm like, oh, my it, God. Disturbing. Yes. He's uh, he's at his office in, in his house and he's thinking and like flashing back to what – is Catherine in a wheelchair dousing herself with gasoline laughing and now she's on fire and someone runs in with a fire extinguisher to put out the fire which I think is funny because I'm probably like it's probably the uh the prop manager or whatever on set (laughs) the fire guy to put out the scene and they just are like this looks kind of cool this could be like the firefighter at the scene but but it's not a firefighter but dude First time watch for me, right? I'm I'm in this movie, and this movie is at a certain level. You know, it's kind of has this fun thing going on, lighthearted, you know, sort of tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm feeling its vibe. <laughs> then this thing happens, and we get sort of at this point now get the full idea of what this backstory is, and I'm just like, my I go from, like, smiling to, like, being horrified in, like, one second, like, zero to 60. They This thing takes a dark, dark turn. Yeah. By the way, I don't think in, this is the scene where he mentions the dead baby. Okay, so— he does it with Dr. Moray, I think. Okay, okay, it's with Dr. Moray. All right, I was wondering where it was because we got to talk about that in, in a bit, but we'll, we'll get there when we do. But it, yeah. it, it gets darker. But at this point, like watching her douse herself with, with ga- like gasoline, I'm like, me, Corey, first time viewing, I'm like, what is going on right now? Uh, yeah, I remember being at the Arrow, and for so a lot of people hadn't seen Death Spy yet. And maybe people had because of how did this get made. But everybody was like, oh, my God, what the fuck is going on right now? This is shocking. Talk about 180 tonal shift. And then you get a shot of Michael with his banana hammock <laughs> as uh, he's, like, getting in bed with Lauren. And and he says, whenever I'm in the club, and even sometimes when I'm in this house, I feel a presence. It's Catherine. And then Laura's like, even in death, she still has a hold on you. And Michael says, I feel like she's reaching out somehow and causing all this trouble. It's the dreams, the accidents, and those messages on my computer. Suddenly, Laura says, good night, sweetheart. They turn off the lights and they go to bed. 
Fade to black. That's your second fade. So she still has a hold of you. Yeah, the the woman that I loved, that I married, that I you know uh, you know got pregnant, was gonna build a life with. She's only been dead for a year. Yeah, her memory does still have a hold on me. I still have her name as my password to like get into things. Yeah, sorry, babe, you're hot, but my my wife, who I possibly loved at the time, murdered herself. <laughs> yeah. Committed yeah. suicide. Yeah. And also sure. maybe had Good sex night. with her twin brother, but we'll, we'll get there too. Yeah. We'll, exactly. we'll unpack that when we get there. <laughs> Cut to an, an office of Dr. Lito Moray. Oh, it Paranormal. Did. <laughs> and then another <laughs> turn. This movie becomes Ghostbusters. Yes. Oh, with the Wawa stick. Yeah. Uh, he's a uh, paranormal investigator. You hear someone talking from behind the door saying the cigarette case was found in the rubble of the mansion in upstate New York that burned to the ground under mysterious circumstances at the turn of the century. As this person's talking, you see glimpses of this like weird office with like statues and pictures. And, and then you get to uh, the camera pans over to like this weird briefcase with like a computer monitor with like some sort of like electrical syringe looking thing. It's like a light tool. It looks like a Wawa stick that they use in class where you put your hand on both sides and it makes a light sound like, right? Yeah. Anyways, he's, uh, the, the doctor is wielding this tool over this cigarette case, determines that it's belonged to the matriarch of the family who's come over from Europe in the middle of the 17th century and built the first house on the site where she was murdered by her youngest daughter, beheaded with an axe, and he's, you now realize that this doctor who's giving this story is talking to Michael. And he says, and the doctor continues, four subsequent houses have been burned to the ground. There is no longer a house. The present owner has tried to farm the land. And this is where it stood. But nothing will grow. It's barren, dead piece of earth. Turns off his little Wawa stick. And then says, cigarette, to Michael. <laughs> Michael, who's like staring at him lovingly, realizes that he's offering him just a cigarette and the story might have been bullshit. And Michael's like, ah, I don't smoke. Dr. Murray takes out a cigarette, fires it up with a cool-looking lighter, by the way. He blows smoke in Michael's face. And he's like, well, what I've just demonstrated is called psycho, psycho, psychoometry. It's called psychoometry. <laughs> say say that fuck? five times fast, buddy. <laughs> yeah. The ability to acquire while in contact with an object paranormal knowledge of its history or facts about its present or previous owners. That's cool. Yeah. No, I, I love all this, but now you know what Bill Murray and everyone felt like when they had to spout that shit in Ghostbusters. <laughs> exactly. And this guy, this guy fits the suit, though, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. And Michael's like, so how does this all help me? <laughs> Dr. Murray says, you did bring an object along from your late wife, Mr. Evans. And Michael gives him like a, like a brooch. Like a, by the way, everybody had those brooches in the 80s. Yeah. It's like so common. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like a porcelain outline of a woman. Yeah. Murray takes out his Wawa stick and says, Catherine. Oh, and a beautiful marriage it was, too, until she went into labor with your child and something happened to her lower spine. Cripple, 
growing progressively more bitter and depressed. And I like how Jealous. This, is this where he, is this where he fucking Michael actually defends himself? He's like unjustified. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and he says jealous about you, and Michael says without justification. <laughs> I like how he's like, uh, if I were this guy, I'd be like, bro, you don't gotta, you don't gotta justify it to me, man. It's, these like, are your dude, demons you're living with, not mine. It's your fucking fault, man. Yeah. You caused this. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, just the way he, that he blurts that out, he jumps yes. to that conclusion. <laughs> Look, she put her boobs on me. I didn't put my boobs in her. I didn't put my hands on her boobs. She put them in my hands. Yep, that energy, that vibe. <laughs> yep. And then Michael says, after she lost, after she lost the baby, I couldn't reason with her. And Doctor Murray says, then one day she went to the garden, doused herself with gasoline, and set herself on fire, burned to unrecognizable ashes. And Michael says, all of which was a. All of which was in the news a year ago. Like, basically, thinking that this guy's a quack, all the things he just said were already in the newspaper. Yeah. He looks at Dr. Moray suspiciously, gets up and says, you're going to have to do better than that, Dr. Moray. Dr. Moray smiles with, like, his creepy teeth. <laughs> and then he closes his eyes, and Michael looks out the window, depressed. And suddenly, Dr. Moray's eyes are open and says, a bird's nest. That's what she thought of your family, like a bird building its nest, the mama bird, the papa bird, and the baby. Michael looks at Dr. Murray, like kind of shocked, and says, then why would she kill herself? Dr. Murray smiles and like laughs and chuckles and says, when you work in this business long enough, you see things. He throws Catherine's little brooch in a cup. Michael says, after she died, I didn't give a damn about anything. Laura came along, pulled me out of it. Dr. Murray interrupts and says, but afraid to build another nest. And Michael says, exactly. And Murray says, but now you think your late wife is trying to kill you. By the way, Dr. Murray lights up another cigarette within a span of what? A minute or two? Oh, oh yes. As Not an even? ex-smoker, I noticed that. And I was like, he's either a chain smoker or they fucked up continuity. Yep, and his breath smells like dog shit, probably. Yeah. And Michael says, well, somebody could be trying to drive me crazy. And Murray says, for what purpose? Michael says, my brother-in-law, David, Catherine's twin. He hates my guts. And Dr. Murray says, why don't I come down to your club? You can say I'm an insurance investigator. You need one. And they laugh. <laughs> he puts his hand on Michael and he says, I'll hang around until after closing and see what I can find out. Michael says, do you need me for anything? And Dr. Murray says, one of the reasons that I left the seminary for parapsychology, oh my God, parapsychology. <laughs> Good luck, buddy. Was, is what is the desire to separate true spiritual phenomenon from simple deception. He pulls out a gun. <laughs> and he says, there's more to this job than things that go beep and buzz. <laughs> Looks Dude, at Michael. I love this guy, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I love this guy, too. <laughs> Looks at Michael, and Michael walks out. I'll see you at the club tonight. And then he leaves. Michael's, like, happy now. Gets in, leaves, and it's, like, downtown L.A. Gets in his Porsche and drives off. 
camera pans over and you see two cops, Stone and Fletcher, tailing Michael. And, and their awesome police cruiser, undercover cruiser, looks really cool. So two things about that that uh, scene with, with the wannabe Ghostbuster. Um, one, I like how that ties in that whole nest and bird thing that we saw earlier. And yep. two... Did you notice the drenched pits uh, that the doctor had? And, uh, you know, because he's wearing a tan. Yes. yes. Yeah, I know you noticed because he's wearing like a tannish brownish shirt. And that is the reason uh, before I started using uh, uh, deodorant that made my pits not sweat profusely because I'm that kind of guy that I don't sweat anywhere, like even in the summertime. But my pits always sweat even in the winter time so so i have like special deodorant for that but here it's the reason i could never wear tan or brown shirts because (laughs) one little bit of wetness and they just like it gets so dark dude his underarms were drenched never let him see you sweat (laughs) never let the ghosts see you sweat yes You cut to someone else's house. Find out in a minute that it's David's house, but you don't know who it is. As an audience member, you don't know who it is. And you hear a woman's voice saying, you love me, don't you? There's a woman in the window, and you hear a person say, I can't do this anymore, a male. Catherine, we're hurting people. You realize. You realize now that it's David, and and Catherine says, yes, you can. Camera pans to the bedroom of David's house. You see pictures with, like, uh, you see, you see pictures of, you see, pic, like, random pictures, newspapers, tissues on the bed. It's very <laughs> gross. I'm like, what the hell? Is he jerking off to his sister? Uh, Maybe. I, I mean, so, right, they're, so, they're implying some incest shit, right? Is that what they're implying here? I think so, yeah. Because yeah. then you hear, like, moaning, and you see women's lingerie on the bed. You hear more women, more moaning from a woman. There's uh, paper everywhere. Uh, a diary is on a table, but you don't see what's in it. Uh, there's jewelry, women's jewelry. Suddenly, after the moaning stops, you hear someone say, that's better. They're so weak. And you see a picture of David and Catherine looking at each other very lovingly. And Catherine says, together we are strong. And she laughs. <laughs> Man, this this movie goes in every direction you can think of. Yes, it does. Like this is totally implying incest. Yeah. Well, not this isn't totally implying incest, but it gets more like he or or it could be just simple possession of his body, and he's. But there's like a physical about it. Like she she's like yeah, she, the way she gropes herself and moans to her brother very weird yeah and at some point he tells michael too like you wouldn't is the thing at the beginning like we had thoughts like we had thoughts together you wouldn't even know i'm exactly i'm, I'm saying it's it's full incest that's my yeah. that's my story here i'll go with that yeah. i'll go with that cut back to the club quick shot of the jazzercise class and the immediate cut to the detectives going to michael's office uh stone is questioning michael about marcy Hewitt being missing, and, and, the one who got, which is cool. I'm I'm glad that it didn't just that the movie didn't just forget about her, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it says uh, her boyfriend hasn't seen her in two days. Last she last he knew she was going to the club, and Michael's like, I haven't seen her for two days. 
<laughs> okay, sure. And Fletcher's like, Fletcher kind of mockingly says, well, what a fantastic weight reduction program you have here. Uh-huh. He's like, people get so thin, they disappear. Womp, womp. Mm. Cut back to the jazzercise class. Then you cut to Michael walking with Dr. Moray. Michael asks, how's the investigation going? Moray says, it's going. And then suddenly Michael gets approached by two fitness girls, Fresh Prince girl and <laughs> Laura. Yeah. Or, or Linda. Linda. Yeah. One of the L's. One of the L girls. And then Linda asks if he's ready to make good on his promise. And he says, of course. And they take off and they say, we'll see you in an hour. And then Michael turns to like, oh, my God. He's going to pull. He's going to have a three way. Yes. He yes. just asked his girlfriend to move in with him. The blind one, too. <laughs> and that's did, a piece of shit. And did you notice that, like, the area that they're in is like this common area and there's like a a, a, yeah. a, a boxing ring that has been turned into a sitting area with how do I describe this? It, it's like it's like three fourths of, of a rink. With uh, like glass tile floors with lights coming up through it, it's, whew, it's wild. It's fucking wild. Again, this entire movie, I don't know where to look because first off, there's just beautiful women walking around and working out brawless everywhere. But also at the same time, the decor is absolutely insane, and then so is the 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 fashion. It's a feast for the eyes. This is a perfect movie that if you were having like an adult style party that you could have on the TV with no volume and just have it playing in the background and people would be like what the fuck is that you know <laughs> what is this and I'm calling the cops on you <laughs> um, yeah no I totally agree and of course everything like you said earlier is carpeted oh <laughs> so oh, much carpet in the 80s God, Jesus carpet the bathroom it'll be fine <sighs> All that carpet, if you burned it, it would, like, be green. Like, the flame would be green. <laughs> carpet the kitchen. It'll pick up the oil stains. Oh, Don't worry. God. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, and then linoleum. Like, linoleum and, and, and carpet. And then it falls apart, and it's rotting. Yeah. And there's maggots in the floor. Jesus. You fall through the floor, and maggots are covering you. <laughs> oh, sorry. That that happened to me as a child. Oh, my God. I think I think you've told me about I that I think one. I told that story. <laughs> yeah. Go back to our early episodes, guys. Um, yeah, so Michael says to Moray, just to wrap up this, he says, the security system will be off tonight, so you can roam about freely. And, my, and Dr. Moray says, fine. <laughs> and Michael says, enjoy the evening. And Moray says, fine. <laughs> Suddenly, the very awkward professor, uh, like, sits down. Yeah. Like, uh, in the sitting area where there's a girl next to him. And she kind of, like, looks at him like, why are you sitting next to me? (laughs) Yeah, and he's got a big smile on his face. Uh, (laughs) Cut to the women's locker room. Cut cut to some hooters in the women's (laughs) locker room. (laughs) Yeah, I swear. (laughs) Woman's blow-drying her hair. Now they're putting on lipstick. Uh, one of the uh, fresh, fresh Prince and Linda girl, uh, the, the Linda girl is in the bathroom, but not Fresh Prince girl. And someone calls out her name and gives her a note. It's totally like Catherine's voice. It suddenly like slips her a note. Yeah. <laughs> she opens up this note and it's it looks like it's scrawled out like a like a six year old wrote it. Meet me in the basement. Follow the map. Yeah, there's like a map. <laughs> <Is> it- <laughs> 
It looks like a kid drew it. And she's like, oh, Michael, I'm going to get to fuck you now. With this yeah, she puts map. it against her chest. <laughs> she puts it against her chest, super happy. And then Bel Air cousin walks in and she asks if she's if she's ready. And Linda's like, uh, Laura, Laura's holding the note close to her chest. It's Linda. Like, it's not Laura. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's okay. Linda. It fucking Linda. He's like, well, she'll be dead soon. Yeah, so it doesn't matter. Her. She goes, actually, it's so late. I've got to run. And then Linda says, you think you can handle Michael for the both of us? And the Bel Air girl says, with pleasure. So we don't see Bel Air girl anymore yeah. from this point on. So I'm wondering if she did go into Michael's office and got her three month free membership. Yeah. Ju- just like, you know, Chelsea field and, and the other guy eventually, I, I think he's gone too. Now at this point, Karen Parsons, boof, gone. No, no more. It's, it's really weird how these characters just disappear without dying. They're the lucky ones. They are. <laughs> Linda is not. No. Cut to Linda following the map that Michael's, uh, well, Catherine gave her probably. Into the She's fully industrial basement. Fully huge, like, Gone of the Dead mall behind the scenes yeah. area. Mm-hmm. Um, walks down the staircase of this basement. There is like a um, rolling... Uh, like a for shipping and receiving packages, like the not instead of a conveyor belt, it's like the rolling. Be, uh, yeah, the rollers. You know what I'm about. Yeah, the little metal the, rollers. The rollers. Yeah, yeah. A box comes falling down the conveyor belt, <laughs> scares the shit out of her in this dingy dark basement. And and by the way, she's wearing the most unattractive outfit I've ever in this entire movie. She's got some kind of shirt. That has dinosaurs or animal print on it. Because she's 15. Yeah, it, it's like a shirt that a 15-year-old would wear. It's it's really fucking weird and kind of a little bit disturbing. It's super disturbing. Yeah, so so Linda... I said it right. Like, yeah, Linda. <laughs> Linda, Laura. Uh, she's walking down this in the basement, and she's following the map, and... It's dingy, but there's like kind of a pinkish light behind her, which is cool. Uh, she's calling for Michael, and he's not responding. She goes deeper into the basement, not responding, and he's not. She's now in like a storage part of the the basement. Sure, uh, sure. It's disgusting. It's it's just so great, gross. She opens up a. Oh, sorry. A cabinet door opens up, revealing like cans of cleaning spray. I think um, the light above her in the in the basement starts flickering, and she looks at the sprinkler system. Uh, and then there's an exposed like steam pipe, and she goes, "This isn't funny, Michael. I'm leaving." And suddenly, the sprinkler system goes on, and she starts freaking out. And I'm like, "Why is she freaking out? It's just water, right? Well, it's not water." Suddenly, there's steam everywhere. She falls down on the ground. She's whimpering. She's crying. She says, oh, my head. She's crawling on the ground, whimpering. She calls for help. No one's coming. And then you see someone in the doorway, uh, and it's Catherine. And sparks shoot out from above the the water sprinkler system. Suddenly, Linda's face is burning, melting. So the water must be acid that's falling on her. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming it's acid. And, and but her face kind of looks like she's covered in, in detergent and like 
uh, red food coloring. And she starts, she's like saying, my eyes. And she screams. And you see blood on the ground. And she's dead. Maybe. Or maybe not. We'll find out. It's awesome. You know, at one point I'm like, why? How did she like sort of get on the ground crawling? But eh, I don't care, man. It's this scene was was fun right here. And honestly, uh, I like the fact that she's, you know, she's screaming my eyes as she's as she's kind of dying or whatever. And then cut to um, uh, Laura walking around blind. And I'm like, oh, I see what you did there. That's kind of a, a cool thing. But again, I, I feel like this is where Catherine is like, she has, she only has a few tricks up her sleeves, you know, type of thing. Or, or I guess what she has at her disposal is kind of limited. So she's always coming after eyeballs, hands, and skin. Yes. Eyeballs with like, Chalky gumball eyeballs. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that'll be that'll be fun times later. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and you're right. Yeah, you cut to Laura. Laura? You cut <laughs> yes, to Laura yeah, at Michael's Laura. house asking for Michael. And that's when I like saw his walls are adorned with like African masks or whatever. Mm. And uh, there's a there's a knock at the door and she's like, Oh, did you forget your keys? And suddenly it's David calling out. And Laura's questions that it's david like david what's wrong david says michael asked me to stop by and check out the home terminal one of the programs keeps hanging i'm like keeps hanging sure yeah i don't know that could be a term like a dos term back in the day i I don't know sure because he's so cool (laughs) and laura says well he never said anything to me about you coming by and david says well he's had a lot on his mind lately by the way they're having this conversation david's still behind the door yeah, like, yes. still on the other side of yes. the door. <laughs> Finally, Laura reluctantly opens the door, which is this like super thick steel door, by the way. Looks like an industrial door. And David walks in and says, it's nice to see you. I was so sorry to hear about your accident. And Laura says, thank you, David. David looks up to like the upstairs part of his house and says, well, I know my way to the study. And he starts to walk upstairs. And... Laura is following behind him. David's now in Michael's den. He's like studying the the computer desk area, pulls out a bunch of tools. Laura shows up as well. And David says, wasn't it sweet of Michael to bring you here? She said, yes, yes, it was. It was nice. And David looks annoyed and says, how strange for him, though, having a woman here so soon after my sister's passing. And Laura says, that was over a year ago, David. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. By the way, so just so you know, most people, heaven forbid you ever know someone in your life that douses themselves with gasoline and sets themselves on fire in a wheelchair because they're crippled. Uh, if it's over a year, you should be over it by now. Yeah. According be. to Laura. Just saying. And David's holding a screwdriver in his hands. He's, yeah, he's very menacing here. Yeah, and he says, it, it was that long ago, wasn't it? He like menacingly walks closer to Laura. Laura's looking nervous and he says, do I make you nervous? Laura backs away from him slightly and says, David, I know you have some kind of crazy idea that Michael and I were involved while Catherine was still alive, but that couldn't be more false. And David says, Laura, I'm deeply hurt. He stands, he's like, gets closer and closer to her. He says, I have no such suspicions. Laura says, I really liked your sister even when she was so mean to me. And David says, I know. And he gets even closer to Laura with a screwdriver, like right by her face. 
and touches her face with it. She freaks and she says, I'm sorry, I just want to be alone. And David says, I understand. I understand, dear. I really do. Suddenly the doorbell rings. Laura goes to get the door, but David insists that he answers it. Doorbell rings again. David slowly goes down the stairs to get the door, opens the door, and it's Vicky, the juice girl who didn't want the veggie juice. And she goes, oh, David, I didn't expect to see you here. Michael asked me to drop by with the groceries. David just grabs the groceries and tosses them on the stairs. And he goes, oh, I'll take care of it. And he kind of like slams the door in her face. David slams the door in her face and she walks off. And when she gets in her car and like peels out in reverse out the driveway. And she's also wearing like a really nice like dress and everything just to deliver uh, groceries. To quote unquote deliver the groceries. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Suddenly as she's pulling out down the street, David's like looking. He's on the on Michael's balcony looking out the window and in the background behind David is Laura. Like, it's an interesting shot. It's cool. Yeah. David goes, turns around, and he looks at Laura with the screwdriver in his hand, and he closes the sliding door and walks towards her. Yeah, it's a cool shot. It is a cool shot. Cut back to the gym in the computer room. Michael asks the, the random security guard, David's buddy, if he's seen David. And the guy gets startled, and he's like, oh, uh, no. Cut back to Michael in his Porsche driving home. Michael goes inside the house, sees the groceries on the stairs that David didn't even put them away, I guess. No. He calls for Laura. He grabs the groceries, goes upstairs into his den where he sees Laura face down on the couch and he asks if she's all right. And suddenly she like gets startled and she wakes up and she goes, oh, sure. Just just sleeping like nothing ever fucking happened and doesn't bring up the whole David shit. Or, or oh, not, wait, he, she will. But or I'll not even that. that. It's like she's sleeping like face down in the fart filled couch with one arm like drooped over like yes. straight up like a sloth, like sleeping in like on a branch. And I'm like, who the fuck sleeps like that? Like straight face down in the couch like disgusting who knows what was going on, on that couch well we know because michael was getting michael was getting busy with every female gym member spoiler alert every couch is filled with farts every one of them in semen stains <laughs> yeah yeah mine mine for sure <laughs> hopefully not crabs though. yeah hopefully uh laura says yeah david came by and michael says what the hell is he doing here and laura says so he's fixing your terminal And Michael says, I didn't tell him to come here. What's that little bastard up to? Laura doesn't say anything. You immediately cut to Michael and Laura outside on his porch where there's a jacuzzi. Very beautiful, by the way. Yeah. With like candlelit wine, I guess. (laughs) And suddenly she, Laura asks, Michael, what is it? She says, you're, you're upset. (laughs) Why? How can she sense this? Is because she's blind? Well, she can sense feelings? Yeah, because she's, she's becoming like Daredevil, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and Michael says, I saw a pair... Fuck. I saw a parapsychologist today. Suddenly, they hear the sound of fire burning, and the music gets intense. It immediately cuts to Starbody Health Spa exterior. Yeah, so, all right. I want to I roll back really quick to that scene 
what a weird little scene because he's like, I saw a parapsychologist today, and yeah, the, the mu like the scene stays, she doesn't reply, the music yeah. like swells to something, and then boom, goes to the next scene, and it's just the next scene. And I'm like, that was so weird, but very cool at the same time. Yeah, building to something and then kind of like, oh, I want to know what happens. I guess we're not going to know what happens. It, this is like that second moment where it feels like a giallo film. Like it feels like an Italian film right there. Yeah, totally. No, I agree. I agree. Cut to Tom, the lawyer and Priscilla, the manager of the spa. Brawless Pris Priscilla. Yes. In the basement uh, electrical room, Tom is pulling cords and Priscilla says, God, I'm a nervous wreck. And Tom says, I'm almost done. He takes off his watch and he puts it on part of a like a like a large cable and he he says hey can you give me a hand here for a second and he has like electrical tape and she gives him clippers he cuts the tape and says i'm making sure the computer no longer controls the air conditioning he closes the electrical panel and says to priscilla so tomorrow night instead of mardi gras we're going to have a summer hothouse okay so, it's a little confusing yeah i I don't kind of understand what the point of this was. I mean, I know it's going to lead to Michael, like, like you know, accusing Tom and everything. But, like, what were they really doing? Just, like, cutting the AC? Like, what's... To make it hot in there? Right? So, like... Because they're, like, sabotaging? Yes. Yeah, that's my... Because I guess that's what I'm trying to get weird. to. Is this to try to sabotage it so nobody has fun? Because they do cut the AC. You know, they do do that. But then it doesn't seem to actually affect anything at the party. Anybody. Yeah. And no one's like, oh, it's really hot in here. It doesn't seem to affect anything. Well, so for everyone who hasn't seen this movie, there is this, we're about to find out, like an, like a secondary storyline where Tom and Priscilla, well, Tom is like sabotaging the gym. and But he's not behind the murders, obviously. Yeah. And Priscilla's kind of like, doesn't know about that but yet she goes along with this so it's very this is one of the loose ends of the movie where they don't really clean this up it's a little unclear like they want to have another kind of red herring in tom yeah 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 you're right you're right it's weird anyways uh someone else is still in the death spa by the way it's dr murray cut to dr murray with his wah-wah stick <laughs> and you know his little computer and He's upstairs, like he's in the main lobby area and he's by a dumbbell bar and the dumbbell bar dumbbell falls off the rack, startling him. Uh, he grabs his suitcase and wawa stick and walks into the basement, and starts scanning the basement. There's a weird sound. He walks, he's going down the same path that Linda was going, but yeah. there's a door to his left that opens and someone pokes their head out with like a black cloak on. It's pretty creepy. Yeah. He continues to walk down into the same part where Linda died, and he's using his Wawa stick to swipe around and finds the dead body on the ground. Well, you think it's a dead body underneath the workout bench. But the thing is, she's not dead. Linda. Linda? Yeah, Linda. Fucking <laughs> Linda. She's not dead, and her face is all melted up and her eyeballs moving around, but and Murray freaks out. He drops his Wawa and his uh, suitcase or whatever and starts running 
out of the basement to go upstairs, and then you hear a sinister laugh. So real quick, suddenly, can I just roll back real quick? Yes. So the first time I watched it, you can kind of hear her, you know, crying out and like, oh, oh, you know, I'm dying and everything. And what I what I took as was that that was his Wawa stick picking up her her ghost voice, you know. And yeah, when he finds her, you know, she's still like her heart's still beating and it kind of stops and everything. And yeah, I was like, okay. The second time I watched, I was like, I guess maybe it was coming out of of the body. But I still take it as it was him picking up on her ghost and the the body was dead at that point. And I honestly find that to be more disturbing if you can hear the the ghost sort of being like, oh, God, you know, type of thing. Yeah, sure. No, I, I, I'll i buy that. Yeah. But it was it's still a cool <laughs> body. Like I like the effect on her body is really good. Like the melting factor of it. It's better than it did. It's better than it looked earlier in the movie when she had detergent on her face. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, like, yeah. and red popsicle. Yeah. Which yeah. is what it looked like. And, and this scene, is red popsicle. Yeah. And this scene is going to get even cooler. It does. Uh, it totally does. So Moray tries to get out. He hears this sinister laugh, and suddenly he sees Catherine standing right in front of him in a nightgown, the same nightgown that she burned up in, the white one that Michael got for Laura, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Laura, not Linda. <laughs> again, right? Yeah, not Linda. He would have it probably if he had a three-way sure. with them. He would have got them both. Maybe that's his thing. He gets everyone this white nightgown. Everyone gets white nightgowns, yes. She grabs Moray, throws him up in the air. He flies up like 10 feet in the air in this this fucking deep basement and smashes him against the ceiling. Yeah. They, I was like, holy shit. It's a really, really good stunt. Awesome. And then he pulls out his gun to shoot her because he still has his wits about him and she blows his hand off it explodes and blood shoots everywhere (laughs) she grabs him again and throws him against the entrance door slams against that and he falls onto the conveyor belt roller thing and he's dead i i found this to be equal parts awesome and equal parts disturbing because i do take this as you know, this is something that that Vinkman and the boys could potentially like die from. Like, you know what I mean? Like ghost ghost busting isn't the most safest thing that you could possibly do. Busting blows your hand off. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. Now, and now you cut back to Michael at his house and he's outside of his house and he hears someone calling his name. He looks startled. He's on the ground level of his house. He looks up and sees the spirit of Catherine looking down at him from the second floor saying, come to me, come to me. I need you. It's so easy. Then we can be together forever, Michael. Michael runs up the stairs over to the second floor to Catherine. Catherine says, jump, jump. Suddenly she's like surrounded by red fog. And Michael jumps off the second story of his house. (laughs) Great stunt double, by the way. Yeah. Like, looks nothing like him. Yep. Nothing like him. (laughs) Falls over the second floor and suddenly cuts to Michael in bed with Laura. And he's just having a bad dream. But he hasn't woken up yet. No. No. Oof. I thought you were supposed to wake up when you die in your dream. Says a lot about Michael. Yeah. He's, He's dead inside. Suddenly now, cut to Michael 
shirtless wearing a leather jacket because you know that look totally rocks so, so i didn't notice that until he leaves tom's place i didn't notice it at first but yeah yeah shirtless with like pants and a leather jacket yes very weird he uh he's at the spa throws his keys up in the air like a cool guy catches him like a cool guy he goes in the basement looking for murray he's calling for dr murray no response Suddenly, he hears a beeping sound. Goes into the electrical room where he finds Tom's watch that he took off earlier. That's pretty cool. Agreed. Michael opens up the electrical panel and slams it. Immediately cut back to Michael, now knocking on the door of Tom's home. This The disgusting, crimson, red, rugged, carpeted, disgusting crab filled home yeah and, and judging from like what's what you can see from the outside it looks like a san diego area apartment or yeah whatever. part of me thought that and then part of me thought maybe this is in the hollywood hills where there's like the reservoir yeah because uh, you can see that water back back there that he's sort of facing yeah there's a reservoir in the hollywood hills that's pretty cool and very exclusive okay oh maybe that's it i've never yeah never seen it before. maybe <laughs> so Tom calls. He's like, is that you, Mike? Mike has a, Michael has a big smile on his face. He's like, yeah. He answers the door. Michael walks in and says, hey, Tom, old buddy. Michael walks into Tom's house. Tom's wearing amazing shorts. Yes. He's wearing a red polo, but his shorts are wild, and I love them, and I want them, and I love what Michael says about them in two seconds. <laughs> yeah. So Michael plops down into Tom's like lounge chair. Tom asks why Michael's so cheery. And Michael says, why shouldn't, why shouldn't I be cheerful? My club's being sabotaged. Laura is temporarily blind. And my lawyer has the cutest shorts I've ever seen. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that they called it out because they are. It's great. I, I love that. Yeah, I, I fucking love it too. Tom's smiling now, too, and he's like, we don't know it's sabotage. Michael throws Tom's watch at him. And by the Tom, way, a great throw and a great catch. Yep, and Tom catches it, and he's like, where'd you find this? Do you know I've been looking for this watch for the past two days? <laughs> Everything's two days in this movie. Yeah. Marcy's been missing two days. Yep. Michael's. Yeah. Michael says, you don't know when to quit, do you? Tom says, Mike, I don't know what finding a lost watch has to do with anything. And Michael stands up and motions for him to wait. And he sees Priscilla walk down Tom's stairs. Now they're an item, yep. perhaps. Michael approaches Priscilla and says, are you helping Tom destroy our club? Priscilla says, what? Michael says, I found his watch this morning in the utility room. By the way, uh, the decor in Tom's house is ridiculously awesome and disgusting at the same time. I just yeah. want to point that out. Yeah. Priscilla walks away from Michael. Michael pursues her and says, are you involved? They walk like outside into like a balcony area, like a balcony, like garden area, I guess. Yeah. Michael says, which one of you put the chlorine in the steam system that could kill Laura? Priscilla says the steam room doesn't just lock. She should have been able to get out. So maybe they did put the chlorine in there? Expecting her to be able to leave, hoping that no one would get hurt, but enough of a kerfuffle would happen so that they would have to shut down the club or something. Yep. So Michael starts questioning her about everything. He's like in the broken diving board. 
messages on my computer. Priscilla says, I don't know anything about any messages. Tom says, Mike, I think the strain of last week has been getting to you, buddy. Michael glares at him and says, it all fits. The computer system fouls up and I take the blame and you and your partners buy me out. Who else is in on this? And Tom and Priscilla look at each other and Priscilla says, it's just the two of us. She looks down embarrassed and she says to Michael, I really am sorry. And Michael says, David isn't involved with you? And she shakes her head and says, no. Michael glares at Tom. Tom says, Priscilla seems to know more about this than I do. Michael gets right up in Tom's face like he's going to kiss him. (laughs) And he says, have a nice day. And then I thought, I wonder if his breath smells good in that scene. Because <laughs> they're really close. They are. They are. So Michael walks up. Michael walks off. By the way, he's still not wearing the t-shirt underneath his leather jacket. That's when I cuts noticed back. it. <laughs> that's when you notice the, the hairy chest. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts back to Tom and Priscilla. Tom's like, we just need to adjust the spa's books. And at this point, I'm like, he's got pictures of like an uh, anatomies on his wall, like yeah. human anatomy. Yeah, that was weird. And that's when I noticed the really nice view of his lake or reservoir or whatever and, it is. And that's when I thought it was like one of the, you know, the one of those places uh, when you're driving into San Diego or, yeah, you know what I'm thinking, right? That little development yep. area. And Priscilla says, you know, after after Tom's like, we just need to adjust the books. And Priscilla says, you know, I've, I've known some real pricks, but you're the king. And Tom says, Priscilla, baby. And Priscilla says, take it as a compliment to stay the hell away from me. And she walks off. And by the way, Tom's wearing pants now. So I guess he changed. Yeah, there's maybe a time jump or something. He was like, oh, I'm embarrassed with my cool shorts. So were Tom and Priscilla, they were together on everything. And now that they're being called out, she's like, I'm out type of thing. Like, it's funny, like, yeah, the 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 possession of the spa is a lot tighter than the industrial sabotage or espionage that's kind of going on in this story. That that aspect of the story doesn't get fleshed out as as well as the possessed spa aspect of the film does. Agreed. It's like they gave up on it or something. It doesn't click. Like they gave up on half the actors in the movie that they just fade away on. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> Cut to the exterior of David's home, and you see shots of perfume and ju- and again, women's jewelry, and you see like female hands grabbing some sort of jar of cream. And if it is David, I'm like, man, he's got some beautifully womanly hands. <laughs> and, and some uh, womanly legs, too. <laughs> and then suddenly David says, we should stop now. I see the faces. I hear the screams. It's horrible. And then you hear Catherine say, their flirtations annoyed me. I'm tired of waiting for Michael. And then you see the, the the hands putting lotion on female legs. Yeah. That I think are supposed to be Catherine's. And David's like, David goes, no, please. No. I can't. I don't want to. And then Catherine says, we've only just begun. Suddenly you realize the person rubbing the lotion on the legs is David. Yeah, I think those are supposed to be his legs. (laughs) And you can see David's wearing the white uh, negligee nightgown. Yeah. And and David's going, no, please, no, no, no. no." no! (laughs) It's a a scene, man. It's a scene. (laughs) It's a great moment. It It is. Michael's at the spa 
his wallet's open and there's a photo of Laura in there. And he pulls out Dr. Murray's business card to call Dr. Murray on the phone. Suddenly, Michael's computer monitor in his office turns on and says, I can't wait much longer, Michael. Come to me now. Michael, still on the phone, looking at his computer, suddenly Marvin walks in and says, You looking for me? And then Michael says, Have you seen David? Marvin says, No. Are you all right? Michael says, Have you seen the guy named Murray? And Marvin says, no, I haven't. And Michael hangs up the phone and tells Marvin to come with him. They're walking down the hallways Wait, of the gym. Is this when they do some kind of like high five thing or something? Yes, it's coming it's, out. And also, too, I'm like, I was like, oh, Marvin, I forgot you were in this movie. I for, forgot Ken Forey. Because it's been like at this point 20 minutes since we've seen Ken Forey. Yeah, you realize that there are like, like the main people in this and then all the supporting characters don't. They kind of come and go. Yep. Right. Marvin could have been a, like seems to be a big piece to the puzzle though. He should have been. And I do wonder if it was, he just, you know, he, he probably costs a little bit more and they were like, all right, we'll get you for five days or something like that. Whatever we need, you know? Yeah. I love this because the, yeah, they're walking down the hallway and, and Michael says, when you find David, I want you to grab him. And Marvin says, what's up? And Michael says, just grab him and sit on him. <laughs> and then come get me. It's like, then come those get two me. things don't work, buddy. <laughs> no. Well, what do you want us to do, Sonny? Do you want us to freeze or do you want us to get down on the ground because we can't do one and the other? That's from Raising Arizona. I know. I know. That's I why I'm it. laughing. <laughs> and Michael says, I'm stopping this bullshit right now. He walks over into the computer office and he says, he says, we don't need the security system. We have a generator power for that, right? I'm putting the machines on manual, and that's the end of this. Marvin and Michael give each other like that bro high five where they high five and underneath. Yeah, there's some it's 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 a thing. They had to work it out like on their own. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like the bash yeah, it's so it's so badass. And and the uh, random computer guy is back in there again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think this is his third scene because from from here on out, he's no longer in the movie. Yeah, and I don't know his name. I don't know the actor. <laughs> anything. Yep. Michael points at the one of the computer monitors and says, "This thing stays off." And Marvin says, "You got it." And the random computer guy is still at his desk and just like sitting there watching them. Weirdly, cut to Michael and the cops together going to David's apartment. Michael knocks on David's door. No one answers. Michael says, I'm going to break in. The two cops like look away <laughs> as he goes to break in, and which that, is really smart. And I love that. That's actually really fucking cool. He's like, I'm going to break in. And they both kind of like the two cops turn their back to sort of look out on the city. And I'm like, that's a cool little subtle thing right there. Good job. I like that. I like that. He uses a credit card to break in. Uh, suddenly from the second story of David's apartment, you see Catherine walking by a window. There's shots of David's apartment with chairs upside down. There's sheets on top of furniture. Like no one's lived there. And it's Fletcher a cool, says, and it's a cool oh, yeah. steady cam shot. It's another. They do really. It's it's almost like it's the um the same as the hospital. It's it's it makes the scene much more interesting because you're kind of like Michael's point of view as he's walking through. And I yeah I noticed all the all the things. I, I almost got little poltergeist vibes with the the chairs upside down and everything. Yeah, same. But, but they didn't really like go with that. I was like okay, but I will say, great use of steady cam throughout this entire fucking movie. 
Agreed. And cool point of view shots, too, Mm -hmm. like you said earlier. Because it goes to them facing a a mirror. And they actually, I mean, that's some blocking and everything that you got to do and whatnot. Yeah, totally, totally. And and Fletcher's like, you know, are you sure this guy still lives here, right? And like you said, the clocks are ticking. They're going by mirrors. They go into David's bedroom, and then there's a mess everywhere. Suddenly, the camera pans to David's balcony, and outside on the balcony is the wheelchair that Catherine died in. (laughs) Michael walks over to the wheelchair. There's a wheelchair flashback to Catherine burning up in it. Hold on. Catherine, so she's paralyzed, right? She's burning. She stands up to fall forward. I was like, I thought she was paralyzed. Good point. And maybe she was faking it all along just to get Michael's attention. <laughs> just like every woman does. I'm joking, oh by the way. Oh, my God. I'm joking. I'm joking. Isolate that, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you know I'm joking. Beep, beep. <laughs> beep, beep. So <laughs> suddenly there's a computer monitor and Fletcher sees the computer monitor and it says star body health spa system, system check security monitors weights like has a, a list of all of these security checks. Camera pans over to a picture of Catherine. Suddenly Fletcher's on the phone calling the police station saying he wants an APB on David Avery Michael. I wrote all this down because it's. I feel like yeah. part of it's important. Yeah, it's, David. It's, oh, it's all important. Michael. Trust me. <laughs> right. for, for the for the humor. He gives the details. He goes. He goes. Male, Caucasian, twenty nine to thirty year old, twenty nine to thirty years old, slight build, about six feet tall, one hundred thirty five pounds, reddish blonde hair, probably a psycho. <laughs> oh, and get this. He might be. In, he might be in drag. Yeah, another yeah. – and you know what's funny? It's like I also think back – and this will kind of go in this direction, but I think back to Hard Ticket to Hawaii, another movie that sort of – that features a vilified drag person. And, you know, and you realize that, like, back in the 80s, you know, they, they only looked at, you know, these kind of people, be it transgender, LGBTQ type of thing. Like it's always vilified, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to kind of have this in, in hard ticket to Hawaii sort of so close and having like a sort of a cross dressing villain in it. I don't know. It just, it puts things into perspective, you know, and, and a lot of ways I do like, you know, where, where, you know, uh, representation is nowadays in, in film for, this community and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, this, this goes back to like, uh, psycho, you know, yeah. when he dressed up as dressed up as his mom or dressed to kill when Michael Caine's dressed up in drag. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, you know, why can't we just have more like George Clooney dressing up in drag in the movie, the harvest? Ooh, that's a deep, that's a deep cut right there. <laughs> that's a very deep cut, buddy. Go check that out. That movie's dope. But, um, but the only thing I just want to put a button in, like it does make me realize, and we've always known it, but it kind of pushes the, the point home that positive representation matters. Yeah. You can make a transgender or a cross-dressing villain. That's fine. But Let's have some 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 good guys or, or gals, you know, just let's have some positivity as well to offset the the negativity. Yeah, because, I mean, they still even do that now with Mr. Robot and uh, B.D. Wong and drag. OK, but, gotcha. You know, like, come on, guys. But I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And then, of course, after he says, 
uh, Fletcher says he might be in drag. He goes, I knew this guy was a wacko. I'm going to the club. Of course. They go to the club. Employees are blowing up balloons. One of them, like like I said earlier, is one of the twins from the movie Rad, Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah, Jeffrey. <laughs> so great. Uh, phone rings and Jeffrey answers. And it's Michael. He asks if David showed up yet. And Jeffrey says, no, I haven't seen him. Michael tells Jeffrey to go to the computer room, stay on guard, and don't let anybody in there except Marvin. And then tell Marvin to come to the front desk and watch for David. Or anyone dressed like Catherine. That's a lot of information to just, like, download onto Jeffrey. Like, <laughs> this random Jeffrey dude. Yeah, because, ran, yeah, random Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah, because Jeffrey, Jeffrey goes, what? <laughs> what? And, and Michael says, David might be dressed like his twin sister. Just get the messages passed on to them. Like, and then the camera fades out. Wild. <laughs> hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey, everybody. I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more. Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative. Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? Then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV, and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. And now, back to the show. Cut to the exterior of the Starbody Health Spa, where the big Mardi Gras party is going on. Everyone's dressed up. Awesome 80s style. Marvin's dressed up as like an Aladdin or a genie. Uh, Tom's dressed up as a skeleton. It seems like much more of a Halloween party than a Mardi Gras costume party. Yes. Agreed. Um, yes, because there's no Mardi Gras beads at all. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what to say. I'm just like, it's it's clearly a Halloween party. Yeah, you're like, I got nothing, buddy. I can't nothing. help you. <laughs> I love this because, yeah, Tom's dressed up as a skeleton. And he's looking at himself in the mirror. And he does like a little ta-da kind of dance. <laughs> I love that little scene, too. There's There's no reason for it, but I fucking love it. I mean, I love Tom, even though he's a douchebag. Yeah, me too. He's got good shots energy. Of, there's, there's like shots of everyone partying in the club, having a good old time. There's a shot of a random muscle dude, like painted in gold. Yeah, like at the pool. being chased by women and freaking out. Yeah, and he like, he like, there's no sound. There's like music, but there's no sound to like whatever you're seeing. So yeah, he's like painted in gold and running. And then he jumps on some stairs and like, cheers but you, you don't know anything about it, and it cuts immediately and you're like what was that that was just the the weirdest little random imagery you've seen 
It's super random, but I kind of like it. I, I know. I kind of love it. <laughs> There's a lot more. I mean, the randomness is going to get more ramped up in this third act. It is. We're in the third act now. Fletcher and Stone uh, show up at the club. They're outside the club, and Fletcher says, this place is bound to have lots of good-looking bimbos. <laughs> He's and Stone just looks at him and says, I'm sure they'll go crazy for garlic and pepperoni breath because he's got a slice of pizza in his hand. Stone. Uh, and, and then he, so he agrees, like, and then he throws the rest of his pizza down on the ground. He litters. Yeah. He's a cop. Th- yeah, throws pizza on the ground, litters, and then asks if she's got any gum. What a douchebag. He's oh, shit. <laughs> yep. They walk into the club. Fletcher walks over to a woman, taps her on the shoulder, and says, Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were a friend. Like, I, I'm assuming he thought she was Catherine. Because she's, she's blonde. She's blonde, but she's also, you know, kind of strong, a little yeah. mannish. I don't mean to besmirch the, the actress, but, you know, that's what they were going for. Yeah, I mean, Fletcher F- Fletcher is a perfect bumbling cop. Stone, by the way, is, is really badass. Yeah. Like, her hair looks cool, yeah. and uh, she looks like someone who would be on Law & Order. Yeah. Like, that's kind of her vibe. Like, she, she's she's not taking any shit. I dig Stone. I like her. Yeah, I really do, too. I like that actor as well. And so Marvin Marvin sees them, and uh, they he takes them to Michael's office. And he says Michael should be there any moment. But he, uh, on the way, he takes him to a bar in the aerobics room. The camera pans the, the crowd of people, and you see Catherine walking around in her death outfit. So at this point, is that Catherine the ghost, or is that... David? David. Like, is there a physical... Is there a physical human being right there i get that we're seeing the person as the ghost but is there a is that david physically there you know i think it is but because what happens next makes me think that people see david as Catherine. right yeah okay yeah i see what you're saying like almost like as if Catherine creates an image of herself over top of david but she still needs david's physical body to to do things yeah, exactly okay exactly okay because from here, you cut to Jeffrey in the computer lab, uh, like whistling and looking at a computer monitor. Way too as, close. Like he's like, his nose is almost touching the monitor. Well, yeah, because in a minute you'll know why, I think. And then the computer lab door like suddenly opens up dramatically and Catherine walks in. Jeffrey's watching two people making out on the monitor <laughs> screen, totally distracted. Catherine walks over to the, over to the control panel wall, which is now off, right? Because that's why it's so hot in there. And she turns it on with her hands, which is pretty cool. All the lights come on. Yeah. Jeffrey says, uh, "Excuse me, miss. Uh, don't do that. You're n- you're not supposed to be in the computer room." Catherine takes off her robe, and she's just got her negligee on, and he goes. Nice arms. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, and then she starts approaching him fat closer while he's sitting at the desk that David's always sitting at. And he says, you know, I could really get in a lot of trouble for this. By the way, Jeffrey's dressed up like a pirate. This is important to point out. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, well, what's your name? And suddenly you cut to Catherine's face. Who's like a little cross-eyed by the way. She's like, I don't know. 
her eyes are kind of <laughs> i don't i don't know what to tell you <laughs> i mean i don't know it's like i'm, I'm not a dick really guys yeah and uh sure she puts her hands out to Jeffrey, like for super dramatically, and he kisses her, but then she crushes his face, and he screams immediately, and you cut back to the party. <laughs> Do you think that tasted like man hand? <laughs> yeah, I think it was David. Yeah, I think so too. It smelled but like and, lotion, and it's cool because you'll you'll see what what he he does, and I you know what I'm. I'm with you, man. I don't need it to always be gory um, like you actually see it because I do enjoy like the aftermath, like seeing the aftermath. And I also enjoy like letting my mind fill in the blanks. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. You cut to Marvin dancing up a storm and Laura walks in and he's like, Laura, my God, look at you. And she looks pretty much back to normal. She's got sunglasses on, but the bandages are off her eyes. He gives her a hug, and he's like, oh, it's so great to see you again. And she asks where Michael is. And Marvin says, oh, he'll be along in a minute. And then suddenly Vicky comes by and grabs Laura and says, come on, Laura, let's go get a drink. Vicky and Laura are looking at various drinks. You cut back to the computer room where someone wearing a black wig is sitting at the computer monitor. Marvin's at the door knocking on the window. He asks how it's going, and someone dressed up as Jeffrey stands up and gives Marvin a thumbs up, and Marvin gives an okay symbol. With and a I'm cl- like, clearly with like like, it's a female's hand. You can tell by the, you know the the fingernails. Yes, totally, totally, and it's an interesting moment because I'm like, if you've never seen this movie, you think, well, that probably looks nothing like Jeffrey. Is Marvin like? Can he not see very well? But this that'll get answered pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a little a little wonky because you don't really see Jeffrey in his costume. Well, he was wearing that he wasn't wearing like the full on hair and everything. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. But then maybe that was just a part of it. Yeah. My, Michael arrives at the health spa in his clown mime jester whatever the fuck it is outfit. The and, crazy Joe Devola outfit. <laughs> right. And a, a pirate approaches uh Laura. And grabs her by the arm, and she thinks it's Jeffrey. And she says hi to him, but he doesn't say anything back. And he takes Laura somewhere. You don't know where yet. Michael sees Marvin, and he asks where Laura is. Marvin says, uh, she went to the bar. Michael asks how she look. Marvin says, she looks beautiful. <laughs> Michael takes off his mask and runs to her, runs to the bar. And then Marvin yells, hey, Priscilla's looking for you. Cut to Catherine with a creepy mask on, taking Laura somewhere. Laura says, who are you and where are you taking me? Catherine takes Laura into the tanning parlor and throws Laura on the ground hard. Yeah, just like tosses her. Right. Cut to Michael's office. Tom is in there with a briefcase stealing files. He hears a sound. This is hilarious. He hears a sound of someone coming into the office. So he like stands there and then he goes to hide. And but he doesn't wearing, hide. He doesn't hide. And whoever walked in there could clearly see him standing there. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, the person almost walks, they're both in frame. Yeah. The person walks in already looking in the direction where where Tom is currently is then looks at like the safe area and so goes to it. And so you have to like assume the, the movie's trying to make you assume that, that their peripheral vision in the mask is terrible. And I'll yeah. buy that 
except for the fact that when they enter frame, they're staring right at where Tom is. It's it's a it's a zany scene. Like this scene right here, this is a how did this get made scene right here. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. But um you think it's Michael that walks in because they're wearing this mm-hmm. this mime outfit, but you have to remember someone got those costumes for him earlier yep. and said we could be tweedledee tweedled up. Yep. Uh, Tom hides, quote unquote, behind like a in the corner of the office, takes an award off the wall and cold cocks the mime <laughs> in the head, knocking them out. You stole Maybe killing them. You stole that right out of my mouth, man. I was going to say cold cocks. Yeah. Cold cock, cold cocks so hard. Person like bounces on the ground when they hit the ground. Yeah. And then and then. When whoever the actor is that's like on the ground, Tom like drops the trophy and you could tell like it sort of like was probably supposed to land near them, but it kind of like like bounces and lands on the person. But props to them because they don't move at all. Not a flinch. Maybe they not. Maybe knocked her out legit. For real. (laughs) Right. Cut to Laura tied down on a tanning bed. This girl cannot catch a break. And. Catherine is taking out a blade. Hold on, well, Zach. Ca- I'm sorry, but my note says, I'm pointing to it right here, says she can't catch a break. It's like <laughs> you're in my fucking mind, bro. Synchronicity. <laughs> Synchronicity. Hush now, child. Don't you cry. You're going to get your tanning on. Um, yeah, Catherine is. Uh, so we don't know it's Catherine because so. Catherine's wearing a one of those clear masks that is super creepy, like in Terror Train or something like yeah. that, and um, and has the the wig on. So it could be Jeffrey, but it's you know it's Catherine taking the blade, this this big old dramatic knife blade, and rubbing it up and down Laura's body. Not Linda. Sorry, yeah, not Linda. Jesus. Cut back to Tom in Michael's office. Uh, Tom thinking he just hit Michael says goodbye to your club michael and he takes the briefcase and walks off and you cut back to laura being tied down laura's not even panicking by the way she's not saying anything she's not panicking but then she has a gag in her mouth but she's not struggling at all she's just laying there taking it and uh look catherine takes laura's sunglasses off and laura has her eyes closed cut the two dudes making sushi wearing tommy tang's t-shirts i'm wondering i'm like that's a fucking sushi place in L.A., I'm sure. And there's a fucking sushi-catered bar here. What a what a party, man. This is Hell excess, yeah. baby. This is the 80s. Hell yeah. These two dudes are making the sushi. Fletcher walks in. He's looking at them, and he's eating something looks fried in his hand. And uh, Rhonda, the juice club girl, walks in wearing like a bee outfit. Yeah. She's bringing drinks in from, uh, from the cooler or whatever, the, 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 the free, the freezer, freezer room. And Fletcher asks if she needs some help. No, no, no. He asks, can I give you a hand? And obviously that is a foreshadowing. Yes. Yes. And she says, and she basically says, sure. Uh, and he starts following her. She gives him a case of like champagne or something. And he puts his sunglasses on and starts following after her with a big fucking smile on his face. Yeah, because he's like, I'm a 50-year-old man about to bone a 26-year-old. Who's married. Yes. Too, to, by the who, way. Who hates his wife like Al Bundy, so the, it's okay. Yeah. 
the 80s, infidelity, 80s. infidelity, divorce rate skyrocketed, divorce rate skyrockets very high, <laughs> some guy's gonna kiss his brother goodbye tonight, <laughs> former brother-in-law it is, David's a cross-dresser, you know, okay, sorry, anyways, cut to <laughs> I'm digging that dance. one, babe, I'm digging I'll, that one, he'll come back. Cut to patrons dancing at the bar. Everyone's getting all crazy. Vicky is flirting with Tom. And she says, what a hot party. And Tom says, yeah, but it's hotter in the sauna. What do you say? Oh, Cut back. wait, wait, hold on. So that's that's Tom that goes in the sauna and gets his head exploded? Yeah, that's Tom. Yep. Oh, I didn't put that together. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> Cut back to Catherine. Standing over Laura. It's like this scene just is so fucking drawn out. Yeah. And now Laura's crying. And Catherine takes the, uh, Catherine Jeffrey takes the mask off, revealing the true face. And Laura looks disturbed. And Catherine says, What a shock, poor dear. The dead past returning to haunt you. Catherine turns on the tanning bed, closes the lid on top of Laura. The tanning bed rays are burning Laura. Laura closes her eyes. And Michael approaches the tanning room door, tries to open it, but it won't open. So he walks around the party and just smiles. <laughs> Fuck it, whatever. <laughs> Suddenly he hears on a monitor someone say, hello, Michael. Resistance is set at maximum. And there's a laugh. <laughs> and Michael runs into the computer room to turn all the machines off, opens up a cabinet locker, revealing Jeffrey's pirate outfit, which is weird. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't understand that, but... It's like okay. all on a hanger or whatever. Uh, the computer monitors go off. They go back on. Immediately, Michael types a bunch of things on the computer, print, uh, and a printout starts saying, I miss you, Michael. I miss you. It's, I miss it's, you, Michael. It's very, like, Shining-esque. Totally. Over and over and over again. Michael walks into the room where the random guy, the random security guy, had been in there the whole time. But there's another dude sitting in the chair, but it's not the computer guy. It's dead Jeffrey, who's practically naked, except for his boxers, and his face is totally smashed in and melted. Yeah. Looking somewhat like a weird, the weird Twilight Zone face, you know? Thank you. I was going to call that out as well. But yes, it, it it's supposed to be his face is being twisted. And yes, it turns, it almost looks like he looks like that famous Twilight Zone episode where everyone looks like pig faces and melted faces and that lady gets a you know facial reconstruction surgery and she looks like normal like us normal but to them is weird anyways yes i yeah long story short again i'm you and i are on the exact same level for fucking everything we are twinning (laughs) and michael sees jeffrey flop to the ground camera pans to Catherine standing by the computer monitor where david was always sitting and says hello sweetheart Welcome to my party. Michael, Michael, who like is not even shocked. He's like not even disturbed that it's Catherine starts walking towards her. And there's a red light on his face and she's looking at him creepily. Michael says, where's Laura? Catherine points at the computer monitor and says, working on her tan. (laughs) I want to point out again, Michael is like not disturbed in the least bit. No, 
no. And uh, so the original title for this film was called uh, Witch Bitch. And uh, I think yes. uh, I think it deserves that title with with how she behaves for the next. Honestly, movie wise, like there is only like 12 minutes left in the film. A lot happens in that 12 minutes. Yep. So strap in. Here we go. So the monitor shows Laura just baking in the tanning bed. And Catherine says, careful, one flick of a switch and she's fried chicken. Michael says, what do you want? Catherine says, haven't you been getting my messages? By the way, Michael is like, again, I want to point out again, not freaked out by the ghost of his dead wife. Yeah. No, not Catherine says, I'm lonely. I want you with me. Killing yourself isn't so hard, really. And besides, you'll be saving all your friends. I will destroy this place. She smiles menacingly and says, I'll kill them all unless you do as I say. Ultimately, and I don't remember where she says here later, but she, ultimately she wants him to kill himself so they can live forever in hell. Yes. Wow, dude, this is some heavy shit. It is heavy shit. Cut the Laura on the t- cut the Laura on the tanning bed, and it looks like she's asleep now or passed out or something. She's got blisters all over her body. Her lips are chapped. Corneas are probably burnt, by the way. You know. <laughs> can't, can't catch a break. <laughs> no. Jesus. And cut back to Michael at the computer monitor typing something. Catherine says, get away from there, Michael. Catherine throws Michael against the office cabinet door where Jeffrey's costume was and knocks Michael out. Catherine laughs. (laughs) Is this when we see the reflection of Catherine slash David in the monitor and it's kind of like morphing together and screaming and whatnot? It's wild. Not yet. Okay, sorry. That is wild. It's very weird. Cut to Tom and Vicky in the sauna. Vicky's totally naked. Vicky's totally naked. Sorry, I'm going to call this out. With literally a two-inch bush. It is (laughs) wild. Wild guys and gals, wild. So Tane McClure, like, it's a shame because she's beautiful. Uh, She got breast implants and did something to her face. And like a couple of years later and, and got those like really heavy cement bags in her chest. Yeah. And it just like looks really, it's a shame because she was really beautiful and kind of, Oh, Hollywood. Oh, Hollywood. Anyways, Vicky's naked starts making out with Tom. Suddenly a spike goes through Tom's head, begins spraying brain matter all over the place. So, so yeah, Immediately. It, it's it's almost like the Marcy thing. Like, there's no buildup to it, and you almost can't even tell what it is that happened. So I think it's one of it's the pieces of wood in the sauna, I guess. I guess, but it looks like a spike. Yeah. I, the yeah. same spike that went through Marcy. And, and, and here's and here's the thing, it's it's a cool death, just like Marcy's, but then you realize, you know, like what like a, a more competent director can do with like the buildup of, of, you know, uh, suspense and everything. Like, I wish there was something more to it, I guess. I agree. I agree. It's just like a death for a death, even though it's Tom and Tom probably deserved to die. So yeah. In the, in the kind of the universe that this thing is just created. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Vicky's freaking out. And, 
like the panels of the sauna are starting to fly off. You hear Catherine laughing. She's watching it all unfold on the monitor. Michael comes to and sees that David is looking at the computer monitor now, wearing Catherine's nightgown. It's not Catherine. And Michael says, David? He's looking at David. David's in a trance, suddenly cut to the face of David's face with like a, this is the superimposed thing you're talking about, the weird kind of back and forth between Catherine and David. Yeah. Like a weird background. There's like a, is it the computer? It's supposed supposed to be the computer monitor? Yeah, it's supposed to be the computer monitor, yeah. They were doing something experimental, and I, I give them credit for it, but it very, it looked kind of shitty. Yeah. Same, dude. Same. I give them A for effort, but not the best thing ever. Michael says, David, I need your help. And now Catherine falls to the ground. It's suddenly Catherine again, struggling. And Catherine says, you have to go the way I did. And if you don't, you're going to watch Laura burn. Michael says, all right. All right. Very calmly. He says, all right, but let her go first. And Catherine yells at him. Like, it sounds kind of like David saying, you know, don't give me ultimatums. So f- apparently um, they they voiced over, they, they did a voiceover uh, for the entire movie. Like, it's not her, the actress at all. As far as, like, SAG goes, that's actually kind of a bad thing. Like, like they could have gotten in trouble uh, for it. But, you know, when she was watching the movie, she actually mentioned to her, her friend who was, I think, a famous, like, director or something. She was like, should I do something and he i think he was like eh, it's kind of moot meaning like i think the movie the you're like what are you gonna get out of coming after them type of thing yeah. you know like you're not gonna get anything but uh but the takeaway is, is they yeah they 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 voice over her voice the entire thing so it's not actually sherry shaddock's voice anywhere in the film oh that's fucked up that sucks yeah Oh, Hollywood, <laughs> screwing over another young actress. <laughs> no surprise there. <laughs> nope. Duh. <laughs> or as Fern would say, duh. Uh, so yeah, Michael says, if you kill her, you'll never have me. Catherine cries and says, you kill yourself for her. You love her that much. Michael yells, David, fight back. Suddenly now it's David in lingerie struggling, saying, oh, God, no. Then cuts back to Catherine flailing. Cuts back to David saying, Michael. He's possessed and David struggles to fight against Catherine's spirit. And suddenly Catherine says, that weakling is gone forever and your time is running out. Michael runs out of the computer lab as fast as he can pushing past patrons in the club, knocking a bunch of people down to the ground. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> like one guy just totally knocks on his ass. Yeah. <laughs> he, he runs to the tanning parlor door and he crashes through the window. Yeah, he fucking jumps through the fucking window. Walks over to Laura and starts untying her very slowly, by the way. Like he's very, just like, like mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, taking his time. He pulls her off the tanning machine. And I'm like, well, Laura has a nice tan now. Uh, And he starts giving her mouth to mouth because she's like practically dead. Catherine walks into the room while he's giving her mouth to mouth. Catherine reaches her hand out and Catherine says, now is your chance, Michael. Come with me. 
Let's die together and live forever in hell. Yeah, that's so, I mean, that's kind of intense. But also, people are just, like, watching her uh, <laughs> in the background. Yeah, like, not doing anything. But yeah. Marvin runs in and grabs Catherine. But then Catherine easily throws Marvin off her and through a window, and he falls to the ground. And, and, that's, I, I wrote, yeah. and that's the last we see of Marvin. Even the last shot of the movie when they all get out of the club? Uh, yeah, no, I guess you're right. I guess he's in there for that. Okay, good call, Just good that, call. Like five seconds, yeah. yeah. Catherine starts to walk out of the tanning room saying, everyone in this place is going to die. You cut to a DJ spinning a record while rocking out and saying something, but the microphone's not picking it up. Cut back to Michael throwing Laura over his shoulder, <laughs> walking around. Well, I, I, the- my note here is, like throwing him her over his shoulder and walking around like Arnold Schwarzenegger carrying a tree in commando. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you cut to, Oh, by the way, no one's even paying attention to him carrying her out no, of the, no, yeah. people are having too much of a good time. time. Cut to what was her name? The juice bar girl. Name uh, Rhonda cut to Rhonda juice girl saying they're out of booze. And she says, there's more in the aerobics room. And Fletcher's got his fucking sunglasses on and a drink in his hand saying, you know, this stuff isn't bad. And the girl says, uh, Rhonda says, it keeps you skinny too. Fletcher takes off his sunglasses and says, all it needs is a little vodka. (laughs) Very sexily and disgustingly. Smiles at her and she smiles back. And then she notices the blender's not working. And she sticks her hand into the blender. And suddenly the blender turns on and starts grinding her hand off. And I can only imagine how painful that could be. Oh, it's it's wild. And like his reaction is is insane. The the, the he's like trying he's to in take love with it, her. I know. He's trying to take it off. It's it's not plugged in. He's like, oh my god, oh my god, and he's screaming, oh my help, god. Help, help, help. <laughs> That's what he's doing. <laughs> And her hand is just getting grinded up to like, you know, it goes past the hand. It's going into the forearm now. It's basically the blender is just eating her from the hand. Yeah. I mean, this would have been a perfect moment for hush now, police officer. Don't you cry. (laughs) Rhonda's gonna die from the blender on her hand tonight. (laughs) I love that song, by the way. Oh, Silent Lucidity. It's so great. Yeah, I love it. Anyways, yeah, totally freaking out. And then suddenly, the freezer door opens up, white light shining behind him, and something pulls him into the freezer room, and the door slams shut behind him. <laughs> he and looks he starts screaming, Jesus Christ! Jesus Christ! Jesus Christ! And then the freezer starts, everything starts exploding and attacking him, and he starts Champagne in there screaming like, he's screaming like, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> I love Champagne it. Champagne bottles are popping. Uh, weed or fitness pills are, are shooting out of bottles. Screaming fish? Fucking screaming fish are screaming at him, coming to life like from dead heat. Yep, de- screaming total dead heat feelings right here. <laughs> the one screaming fish lunges out at him in, onto his neck and starts biting his neck while blood starts spraying out everywhere. The fish is flailing like a, like a flopping necktie, and Fletcher is now dead. <laughs> 
fucking hell. It's What the fuck? What the fuck? Cut to Stone walking around calling for Fletcher. She's in Michael's office and she sees a body on the ground in a clown outfit. She pulls off the mask of the clown, revealing Priscilla. <laughs> then she smacks her face multiple times to try to bring her back to life. <laughs> yeah, because she's not dead. Nah. And then she says, I feel sick. Stone walkies Fletcher, but he doesn't respond. Cut back to Fletch. She calls him Fletch. Yeah, no, I know. I noticed. I knew you did too. Yeah, he's dead in the freezer. Uh, there's a shot of his like filthy blood on the ground and his gun that he was never able to fire off and his dead body cut back to Catherine in the computer lab laughing cut back to Michael sunburned Laura lies her down on the ground on the disgusting carpet carpet yeah <laughs> and right by the computer lab but it, the door's closed and I'm like why didn't he take Laura out of the club at this point yeah right Laura looks up at Michael Michael leans down there and says, I got to get to the power. Can you walk? And I'm like, how about you shut the party down, telling everybody just like, okay, party's over, guys. But he doesn't. No. Cut to Stone walking Priscilla out of the club, or like out out into the club. Stone walks her into the women's bathroom. Hold on. She walks her to the women's bathroom, walks her right past Campbelltoe Annie, standing (laughs) with the most... Insane camel toe I've ever seen. Just some some lady. <laughs> camel toe Annie, uh, lovingly portrayed by Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, so Priscilla starts throwing up, and Stone asks if she's okay. And and she's like, and Stone says, I'll go get Fletch. Meanwhile, she's throwing up, and I'm like, this woman's like had a concussion. That's why she's throwing up, yeah. you know? <laughs> Don't go to sleep. Right? But But too late for that, because Priscilla is looking at her head in the mirror of the bathroom, mirror of the bathroom. And the mirror starts shaking and vibrating violently. Suddenly Priscilla screams and her entire head explodes into rock hard chunks. Yes, this was, I didn't see this. This is great. It's great. I didn't see it coming. I loved it. Her fucking head explodes. And then the camera's like at the ground, you know, to get the reaction shots of people. And like, there's her mouth, like her mouthpiece is like sitting right there on the ground it's wild dude i did not see this coming this was my favorite death in the movie yeah it's great mine too mine too everyone's now freaking out because they finally seen someone die in their presence the doors to the health spa are now locked everyone's stuck inside it's a melee Catherine yells out to run run Shots go back and forth between patrons trying to get out of the club to Catherine's face with the burning wheelchair. The club is now on fire. Uh, from the, the roof is on fire. Everyone's burning at the club. There's naked people. Run, uh, Vicky runs around, runs yeah. by the camera naked with her face all like uh, smoke, like ash all over her face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people's bodies are now people are actually starting to fall to the ground and get stuck trampled on or die one guy's laying on the ground and there's a there's a severed ear yeah. on his chest <laughs> yeah. i'm like what the fuck where's that come from they're, they're stepping on like one girl's getting stepped on her chest she's dead and like people are getting crushed against glass doors i love that shit by the way i love when there's panic and people are just getting pressed against like the glass doors and shit you know yeah it's just 
full-on melee. Oh, all and, while fucking Michael's in the basement tinkering with the fucking electronics. <laughs> yeah, so cut to Michael in the basement with Laura, and he takes off the electrical panel uh, door, and he rips a cord off, and then he takes his, like, uh, ballet slippers off and, like, wraps the the cord with his ballet slippers and electrical tape, and he says, all right, bitch, I'll show you fried chicken. And he pulls the cord from the wall, causing some sort of shock. And Laura's like laying on the ground watching him all sunburned. And he's, dude, he's like, he's oh, just, oh, oh, it's like, it's this like. This is amazing. He starts screaming. Yeah. His, oh, his, I'm face, coming. his facial oh. expressions are amazing, dude. On YouTube, there's a, there's a death spa in like two minutes clip. <laughs> Where it's literally just like high, some certain high, like yeah the, random like highly death spot you need to see or something yeah that's and it's him just oh and they slow it down I think they slow it down anyways yeah he's he's screaming he's like like orgasmic anger or angry orgasm screen and you cut to Catherine at the same time she's screaming and Michael screaming Catherine screaming Michael's you know, getting ready to explode and all the circuits in the computer lab room start to explode. Catherine's engulfed in flames. Michael, Michael's ballet slippers are melted and they're on fire (laughs) and you cut to Catherine or David or whoever the fuck it is in their white, (laughs) in their white negligee and they're in flames. Michael drops the shoes to the ground and Michael sits down next to Laura and he's panting. <laughs> I think he's come in his pants. <laughs> he's got Cut the, to the exterior <laughs> of Starbody Health Spa. People are just still banging on the doors while the roof's on fire. Everyone's trying to break out, but no one can. Michael and Laura get up and start walking out of the basement, and everyone's in the club freaking out. And there's, like I said, there's dead bodies everywhere. Cut to Catherine in the computer lab control room. She's on fire, but she's laughing. You hear screaming. You hear you hear her screaming. The computer monitors explode again. Everything's on fire, engulfed in flames. Catherine's dead body finally falls to the ground. Michael and Laura run to the computer room. Michael yells out that the computer the computer uh, room's door is locked. And Stone runs out of nowhere and says, "Ah, oh, fuck this computer shit!" <laughs> she pulls out a gun and shoots the door. Door opens. They run over to Catherine's dead body, screams at Michael, and Laura says, "What the hell happened?" And, and by the way, the the body it's it's really good looking. It's it's you can tell like an actor is in there, but like it's really you almost can't see a person there. It's so yeah. charred and fucked up. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, Stone says, "What the hell happened?" And Michael says, "It's Catherine. She took over David's body." Catherine now, who's still breathing, grabs Laura. Michael grabs Catherine's arm, rips it off. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Stone says, wait, 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 wait. Pa- and she pauses and she pulls her and she takes her gun and she shoots Catherine in the head <laughs> like, like <laughs> six times or something. Yeah, she's like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> she's like, it's almost like I got this. Pop, 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 pop. <laughs> Marvin walks up out of nowhere and says, Jesus, you finally got it. And Michael says, thank God you're all right. And then he gives the man a hug. <laughs> Catherine's dead, charred body is shown falling on the ground. 
Stone, Laura, Michael, and Marvin leave the computer lab to get out of the club. They're covered in smoke. It's like a slow-mo shot. They open up the front door to the club, covered in smoke. You cut back to Catherine's charred body on the ground, and she says, Nice try, Michael. Her body's still moving around, starting to rise up, and then the eye of her body explodes. <laughs> she lets out a big, ah, <laughs> and the camera fades to black, and the credits roll a very disturbing song that kind of tells a story about a stalker and a killer or something like that, and that's the end of Death Spa. Dude, what a ride, my man. I loved Oh, every minute of this movie, guys and gals, you could tell by how hot I came in, in, in at the beginning of this uh, this show. I couldn't wait to talk to Zach about it. I was literally chomping at the bit for almost two days to want to discuss this movie. I loved every minute of it. Uh, the flaws, weirdly minuscule like like the plot holes in this movie like actually aren't that big not like i'm saying like oh they can be bypassed like they're just not even there which is it's actually a tight movie but any small plot holes that we called out you can easily move past this movie is fun with a capital f-u-n from top to bottom it's a great time great visuals to look at great story Everything about it is a blast. I love this movie, man. I This might be, of all the movies we've discussed, how about this? Out of all the movies you've brought to the table in the past three years, and by the way, this is our season three wrap-up movie. This is in my top five, dude. This is in my top five movies that you've brought to podcasting after dark. I loved oh, it, wow. man. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I it's... It's one thing, guys, when you're breaking down a movie, and Corey has said this too, like you don't get to take in some of the excitement as you would if you're just watching it cold. And 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 I'm so glad that you enjoyed it as much as you did. Uh, the second or third time I watched it, and I did watch it three times <laughs> during this sitting, uh, I kept picking up on all these other things, and and it, it was, it's so wildly entertaining because it never lets up. It just keeps going and going and going. There have been movies we've discussed that have been really, really good, but then they hit this kind of slow moment where you're like, oh, but this part's, this act is a little, you know, lame. This one has no dull moments whatsoever. It is a fun ride from beginning to end. So uh, I'm so glad that you loved it, and I continue to love it even more. Now, like the fourth time I've seen it in less than like three or four years. Yeah, honestly, dude. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to watch it with Myra. I I was like ten minutes into my first viewing, and I was like, "Shit, she's she's gonna love this movie." Um, but life's been kind of hitting us hard this past week, so I didn't get a chance to. But I I told her I was like, "We gotta watch this when when you have an, a chance," you know, because. I think she's going to fucking love it, to be honest with you. It's it's oh, fun. If you've yeah. never seen it and you've already made it this far, just just go check it out. If you can get your hands on the, the Gorgon Blu-ray, I highly recommend it. This movie should be in every single person's collection. It's a crowd pleaser. I think this movie's a crowd pleaser. I think you can have it on uh, in the background at a party with no music, and I think people will slowly gravitate towards it. I think it could be a great, you know, fun movie night with the friends. Um, 
could be a nice little uh, solo uh, solo beat session too. So this movie uh, <laughs> covers all the gamuts. <laughs> when you see the woman in the sauna dripping so wet tonight, you undo your foreskin and you release yourself in fright. Corey's spanking his stupidity. <laughs> no, that's terrible. Uh, yeah, but you, I, I appreciate it, my friend. I try, I try, yeah, I try yeah. to, you know, guys, come on now. But you know what's always a great beat sesh? <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy, but I had to. I had to do it. Two dollar late fee. Can we announce what's happening soon? Yeah, we can. We can. Um, you know, we we just celebrated the. Well, we're we're in the middle of celebrating the summer of Streets of Fire, the month of June, and we're going from Streets of Fire into our annual crossover event with Podcasting After Dark. Yes. Podcasting After Dark and $2 Late Fee have joined forces once again to, I chose uh, the Wraith last year for Wraith Timber, and Corey's, uh, Corey's been given the dubious task of choosing this year's crossover movie. Uh, are we announcing the movie? Sure. Why not? I'll, I'll go ahead and announce it. A movie that I very much enjoyed as a kid. Um, it, uh, it features Chelsea Field. It also features Mickey Rourke. Also features the delicious Don Johnson. The next movie, the crossover event, this year's $2 late fee podcast after dark crossover event is... Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Woo! It's better be dead and cool than alive and uncool. That's right, baby. So as all as per usual, or I guess you know, like last year, uh, Zach and I and Dustin we're gonna record tomorrow night. We're gonna record the uh, the two dollar late fee episode, which is gonna be the general discussion and, and talk about the music and whatnot. And then we're gonna record the uh, the typical podcast after dark breakdown um i'm gonna walk us through this one and then we will release the chelsea field interview uh all three of us were on it it was uh me zach and dustin we all were were we all talked to chelsea field together uh it actually went into a lot of different directions she was really sweet and very open and she doesn't do a lot of interviews because she doesn't think she admittedly her own words she didn't think she really had anything to add to these conversations i say she's wrong i think she was fantastic i think she added oh, a she's lot great. to it yeah yeah so. she's great yeah and, and and you're right she doesn't do a lot of interviews i got friends in <laughs> low places or high places i guess so there you go yeah yeah so we got that coming up so this episode uh wraps up Season three, great season. season three, baby. Wow, buddy, great, great times. Wow. Uh, we'll talk about this season as a whole on wrap up after dark this month, and of course, we do have Dan Parker working on a poster and everything. I think you guys are all gonna love it, like like always. It's gonna be great. And so, yeah, so next month will be the full crossover. Uh, month and everything. It's gonna be a blast. Can't wait to uh, go down this road with you, my friend. Ditto, ditto, guys. Uh, you know, the summers are always interesting, so we wanted to keep it interesting for you guys. So the the month of July will be all crossover, and then there will be some fun surprises in August that are kind of uh, a little bit different than what we're used to doing. Yeah. So, But it's all good stuff. 
Uh, we wanted to go out with a bang with <laughs> Death Spa. <laughs> I, I I thought I was going to do this earlier in the year, but just you know, schedule wise and just moving things around, uh, it, it landed in the perfect month of June. Yeah. So, and one of the reasons it landed in the perfect month of June was because um, patrons like Aaron Don Gilmer and Robert Ortiz and uh, Crystal were or still are. Uh, patrons at the highest tier and those patrons have chosen movies for us to break down and we've broken down those movies like hard ticket to hawaii and monster squad and intruder and robert ortiz will be coming up soon with a pick uh but if you are at the highest tier on our patreon you can you can choose the movie for us to break down Mm -hmm. um We've had some great choices so far, and I, Erin has alluded to some of her other picks, and they're really good. Yeah. So we are excited to do that. If you sign up at our highest tier, it's totally worth it because you guys know you love the show. You listen to the show. You buy the gear. You buy the Patreon. Maybe you don't, but consider doing it. Consider going on Patreon because not only can you do that at the highest tier, you can also listen to The Carpenter Factor, which is our, our tour de force epic mammo series because we're doing every single movie in john carpenter's filmography from beginning to end the ones he's directed the good the bad the ugly and everything in between yeah uh we will cover other directors down the road but for the next year and a half (laughs) i think we're going to be covering jc movies so um that's a great this month we have the discussion yeah next yeah we'll have the fog and it's a great free form discussion uh, that we we you know wax poetically on what we what works and what doesn't about John's movies uh, and offer our own, our own trademarked synop- uh, trademarked reflections on John Carpenter and his body of work. So you know you love us because you listen this far into the show. So go hop on the Patreon train. It's totally yeah. worth it. Yeah, and of course, uh, support $2 Lay Feast Patreon as well. Zach and Dustin are always producing fantastic content. Uh, everybody on the BFOP network has great Patreon pages. And, you know, go check them all out. Go check out Talking Back, Action Action, Blast from Our Past, Throwback Trivia Takedown, Return Revenge Resurrection, Comics Underground, and Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. Uh, me and Adam are actually going through Curb Your Enthusiasm on that Patreon over there. So, you know, support artists, support your your favorite podcast. It, it doesn't matter if it's us or somebody else. Just support a podcast. How about that? Throw some money at somebody because times are tough and, uh, you know, we're, uh, producing content is not easy. But it's a blast. I will say it's a blast and I can't wait to edit this episode. But uh, Death Spa... Bro, thank you. Thank you for ending season three on such a fantastic note. I loved it. I can't wait to start season four with you. But until then, as always, we'll catch you on the dark side. Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. 
and visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la.